This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash weekendconfirmed. That's audiblepodcast.com slash weekendconfirmed. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Weekend confirmed. Ignition. Liftoff. Liftoff. Best show ever, you guys. That was the promise that came from the booth. This is We Can Confirm. My name is Garnet Lee. Great to be here with you as we roll on into the holidays. No Jeff Kanata today. He's in the Big Apple. Hopefully having fun. Maybe he got to go by a Rockefeller Center and have a little fun while he is up there as well. Uh, but we have uh, Plan C, as we've now calling him. So uh, Billy was Plan B. Christian, you are now Plan C. I love it. I'm so I'm so happy to be here with you guys. Uh I'm really, really excited to be here um, because it's more than a finishing move to me. I'm going to get out of the way up top. Sorry to be a, a Debbie Downer. but it's an opening move. Today, when we're recording this, my grandmother passed. Oh. Um, no, it's okay. Uh, and I loved her very much. And she was a wonderful woman and supported me in everything I do. And part of the reason I'm a gamer and doing things that I do now is because of her. And so I just wanted to get that out of the way. Not get it out of the way. It's almost probably thinking, hey, bro, this is a video game podcast, not a dead person podcast. To you, I say... That's really mean. If you thought that, sorry for your loss, man. Thank very, you. Very sorry but, for yeah. your loss. That didn't. It's, it's more than a finishing move, so it's there, and um, I'm happy to be here. And that's super nice thing to say. Well, well said. Thank you. Uh, and you, as you heard the other two voices, we have uh, Ozzy holding down the uh, far end of the table. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Nineteen days until Christmas. Super excited. Rocking his ocarina tea. How many shopping days? Less. N- n- none, none for me because I'm already done. So, by the way, remember what we were talking about about how fast Christmas was going to come and how screwy it is, like with like shopping days and everything. It was just Thanksgiving, and now there are just no time to Christmas, no time at all to Christmas. Is because Thanksgiving was so late this year? It just yes. totally threw me off. So late, in fact, that it started Hanukkah. Yeah. What do you know? And that's Nicole, everybody. Hey. She, she's Plan Z. Oh, see, because my. <clears throat> last name this is our Z. first show together yeah this is pretty great wait nicole yeah. and christian never been on the same show uh-uh. no i don't even think i was a hol- i don't even think we holiday sessioned at, together oh. no I, I don't think i holiday holiday sessioned last year i think I was so sick. you're not the same person no, no. we are different wow people. debunked right. yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah myth yeah busted, busted. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh, and today's episode is brought to you by dirds just wanted to get that in there for micah also yeah. no yeah. audible bro no, it's also dirts. Oh, also dirts. Okay. Also dirts. <laughs> also dirts. <laughs> also dirts. Because they're the new thing, according to him. I don't know. If you're into dirts, let me know why. Because I, I don't get it. Because they can play fetch, but they can fly to go get so, the sock. So you don't get an accident while you're play. driving. A dirt is a bird with a dog's head photoshopped onto it. Photoshop, Dude, that's Photoshop. Yeah. Surgically done. Wait, you mean those aren't real? Plastic surgery that they can do these days. Oh, I thought amazing. this was some Isla Dr. Moreau shit. It might be. They, they, from the booth, it said it was done through mating. I don't believe that, though. Yeah, <sighs> I play right. a lot of Pokemon, so I know that's not possible. <laughs> well, we got a lot of game stuff to talk about. Christian has been, as you know him, he is the Vita champion, and he is wielding Tearaway with mighty prowess today, so we'll be getting into that. Uh, Nicole is still rocking Zelda and uh, Pokemon, of course, because she loves she loves Nintendo. She brought in her yeah. she brought in her Pokemon 3ds, and I have to say, I am more than a little jealous. That it's nice. That Pokemon 
that Pokemon 3DS. W- it's a nice 3DS. It is really nice. <laughs> and I fi- I finished Zelda. So you finished Zelda. I did, and as someone that's played through uh, Link to the Past about dozen or so times, I was pretty happy with it. Dozen. No, an th- egg carton amount? Uh, an egg carton amount. I, I would say I'm pretty happy with it. So the egg carton has more than a dozen, right? It's not a baker's dozen. An egg carton has a dozen. <laughs> I don't know how many eggs are in an egg carton. There's I just always assumed it was a dozen. dozen eggs. dozen eggs in an egg right. carton. Unless you get and the big one at Costco that saying. has 18 for some unknown reason. And right now someone's thinking, this isn't an egg carton <laughs> number podcast. It's a dead person podcast. <laughs> and you're kind of right. Back it up. Back it up. <laughs> Next we'll be all sitting in front of the refrigerated section at the local convenience <laughs> store looking at the eggs. Counting yeah. eggs. Uh, Free range organic eggs. Guys. So let's catch up on some stuff before we launch anything else. Uh, how about this battlefield thing? Are you guys caught up on that? It Dice? is some bad news bears over there. Uh, it lo- it, I haven't played Battlefield, but I've been following the news, and it looks like a disaster. Do you guys so, remember the ad campaign where it was, you know, it had like real gamers, and it was showing clips, and it had the person who was like, and I was in a helicopter, and the helicopter got shot down, and I jumped out of the helicopter and pulled my parachute, and I shot the window, and then I came through, and I landed in the building, and the building crashed around me, and none of that was scripted. That was all in-game. Nothing like that had ever happened before. I want to see that commercial, like, made again, where it's like, and I was in a helicopter, and the helicopter got shot down, and I pulled my parachute, and I shot a window, and I landed in the building, and the building started to crash, and then my computer crashed, <laughs> and then I was back at a blue screen. And then I got disconnected. And I got disconnected, and I couldn't relaunch. And, and the server I, was down for three hours. And it, and it said, it had said, log into Origin, but I was logged into Origin, but it wouldn't let me log back into Origin. Only in Battlefield. <laughs> <laughs> what a mess. It's unfortunate, because the game seems great, yeah. if you can play it. Yeah. Well, and the thing of it is, is, is it's no longer really unexpected i really i really sh- I, what will really be telling will be to see how do they handle battlefield 5 well, oh that's, that's the no that's the wrong way to look at that they need to fix four well so there's so, the news right? so the, new, the news is that they are halting or or holding a, a temporary moratorium on development of any more expansion packs while they focus on getting the core game fixed you know, three weeks after it launched, and we've already launched one expansion pack. And that's More not the first time weeks. this has happened, right? With no, them? that's the pro- that's the big problem. Yeah. Is it's not the first time this has happened with I, them. I think if anything, this has kind of tempered my enthusiasm for Battlefront in 2015. Eh, come on, snow. <laughs> How much of that? I mean, I know it's a separate studio, but to what extent is EA? Do they really get a black eye from this with uh, SimCity? And Battlefield, dude. EA seems to be able to weather all the gamer black eyes that are thrown at it, and just and just keep on trucking. It, it's unbelievable. You know, they do Madden every year, and and right and don't really uh, NBA do, Live and, and disappoint this year. Uh, and, oh, and, and take NBA, on Live NBA Live, where they apologize for it being a terrible game, but they're still going to offer it for sixty dollars. Well, that's what's great is that the apologies <laughs> are never from EA, right? They're from the individual studios. Like at some point, I want EA. I don't know what Mr. EA would say, but it, it, it is. It's ridiculous, and maybe it's because Activision is out there, and that's where like gamer hate is focused. Well, Christian, you have to understand, Electronic Arts is a is a <laughs> publisher who uses its diverse resources in order to enable developers to create their own, you know creative inspired games and and we rely on them <laughs> and their technical expertise to deliver these games to the gaming public in the way that they want them you know these these are what the, these are the games that the gamers are clamoring for they've really come back to us and said we want more of this we've sold more battlefield 4 in the first three weeks than we've sold any other battlefield title ever before ladies and gentlemen this is the last episode of we can confirm with garnet on it because he just got hired by eapr <laughs> You guys, congrats. <laughs> that, that's amazing. Bravo. That could have been a real letter. 
like here's the problem is you've heard it so many times <laughs> that you know you can almost like people it, 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 i try not to be cynical because i actually like just it doesn't make me happy but it, it was it was like when we you know when we reached out to dan greenwald last week and, and got the forza stuff i mean i almost could have written those answers because i knew what i was gonna get <laughs> i went ahead and went through the i went through the you know the, it, it's important in a media sense to to keep ourselves to some journalistic uh ideals and and go through the effort if we stop going through the effort right. at all then then we face the next level of erosion from pr where they just go and and say whatever the hell they want to without even trying to address any of the questions at least asking the questions is an important part of the of you know the process but yeah you're right i mean we know we know what we're going to hear we know what we're going to hear if mr ea was to respond to this stuff and it's nice it's nice that dice is going to this effort you know now but well, what does it say that it's that it's a now situation? But I mean, responses aside, I mean, they took to an ex- tiny extent they fixed some city in some in some regards, and it's still broken in others. How do you think that they're going to um, address Battlefield? Do you think it'll be fixed? Uh, I think the online play will be stable at some point, but I, I don't know how they go about fixing it. Because when you when you introduce some fixes for something like online play, you're going to inevitably introduce bugs somewhere else. Like something else is going to get broken, and just. A panacea fix isn't really out there. Is there a platform that the game's doing the worst on? I know my dad plays it on PC, and I hear him yell a lot. And I, I heard I heard the PS4 <laughs> version is rough. Well, after he plays for a few hours, he'll yell, that's it, I'm going back to Battlefield 3. And then he never does, because he loves, he, as much as he wants to love 4 so much, that he keeps forgiving it and going back, but... That's an well, abusive relationship. It really is. <laughs> 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 the same situation. the crap out of your dad. <laughs> but, but some of these things aren't, you know, some of these things evidently are not even on their list to be fixed. You know, one of the chief complaints right now is that they have made it basically difficult to play Battlefield in a group with your friends, which is just a bit mind-boggling. For a they, team-based shooter. Yeah, they, they took out the ability that you had in 3 to form squads in the lobbies and then take your squad into the game. You can still form a squad, but you can only form the squad once you're in the game. And so then you're trying to scramble and get together with people. But worse yet, the only way to really get to play with friends is that, you know, if, if, so say I'm playing Battlefield 4 and Christian, you see me online and you want to play with me, about all you can do is join my game. And if I'm on the team that has more players. You've joined my game, but you're on the other side. That's the Civil Have War. Have fun. Yeah. <laughs> brother shooting brother. Have it's fun, real. because we're not actually playing this game together. We're playing against each other. Yeah. And, and that's not on their list of any... They're not even looking at how to fix that. I un- because they didn't even see it as a problem, evidently. They did it on purpose. I mean, that's not a design flaw. That's something that they chose to leave out. Or, I mean, or they weren't able... I don't know. I've never developed a game. I don't know programming, you know... They weren't able to, they had a, they obviously had a, obviously, I'm assuming they had a hard launch date of before Call of Duty. I'm sure they did. And I don't besmirch any of the developers, the people that, you know, didn't see their friends or family during crunch time. And I'm sure they wanted to make the best game. This doesn't feel like this isn't the Walking Dead survival instinct. You know what I mean? Like, here's a crappy game. Get it out. I think, I think though it does point to a, a bit of a bad habit of taking where you were last gen or last time out, and then just building on top of that. Because what we saw with this game, same problems that Battlefield 3 had when it came out. 
Same problems with network connectivity and stability. Same problem with the first expansion pack throwing things out of balance and then a, then a throw up your arms of like, oh my God, we didn't realize we messed up the balance completely. <laughs> what, you mean you can th- you can fly a recon helicopter Oops. down and just run into people and kill them? Sorry. 20, 29 and 0. Someone on Shaq posted that video yeah. yesterday and sorry. And it was How nuts to watch. How absurd is that video? Oh God. I, 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 I wouldn't even know where to begin if I was playing that game. I'd just pretty much throw up my hands. But and along just... with the, the mistake they made in Battlefield 3 that they're repeating in Battlefield 4, they also got forgiven. And so I feel like because well, because we we all kind of forgot about that and moved on and bought 4 again, like what's the penalty for them? Well, that, can... That's back to the EA thing is where where does the penalty ever fall? Like, yeah, there's, we there's seem to not let... one. We, we just seem to they exist on message boards. I, I'd actually be curious to see what the sales numbers are for that SimCity expansion right now to see how many people have kind of forgiven and decided to go back to that. But I don't know if we're going to see, and like until Battlefield Five, how many people. Well, you know what? I mean, I actually have a, a good amount of uh, of some time off coming here at the end of the year. So January episodes can be filled with chock full of new stuff. <laughs> uh, but SimCity is definitely something to try because, uh, you know, I commented on this uh, a few weeks ago and, you know, the few people who are playing SimCity said, actually, you should go play it because it feels like it works now. It feels like traffic works. It feels like they fixed a lot of those things, you know, so, you know, kudos to them if they did. They didn't fix. But then again, same thing as the friends issue. They didn't fix the thing that people really wanted fixed, which is they're not making larger cities. And their final right. answer was we can't. The final answer was, you know what? The way we set this engine up, we can't make you bigger cities. And that's sort of a shame. All right. Why don't we leave? We'll leave this all alone. If you're playing Battlefield 4, you know, I think that the bright lining, if there is one, the silver lining to this cloud is that people who are playing it are really enjoying it. The dark side of that is it's super frustrating when you want to play <laughs> and someone you know, hops in a forum and is like, works fine for me, bro. <laughs> and you're like, fuck yeah, off. We, we, we've had some of those posters on Shaq be like, well, I don't have a problem with it. It's working, Joe. It's okay for me. <laughs> it's like, th- th- that's not the answer, friends. You know, it's great that it's working for you. But so hopefully they can get it working because it is, when it works right, a really excellent shooter. And the good news is that a game like that probably has great legs. So you can probably anticipate people be playing Battlefield 4 well into next year especially since there's not a whole lot new coming out in that in that arena. So uh, that's the Battlefield story. Uh, we're going to take a quick little break when we come back on the other side, catch up on one more piece of news, and then we'll uh, talk talking about some games. I play Gran Turismo 6, so that's coming as well. Stick around. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For our listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out the service. One you might want to consider is The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. In this fantasy classic, master storyteller Tolkien creates a bewitching world filled with delightful creatures and thrilling dangers. Narrator Rob Inglis will hold listeners of all ages spellbound with his skillful portrayal of hobbits, dwarves, and enchanted beasts. If ever there was a book that was meant to be read aloud, it's this one. The storyteller is a tremendously important part of The Hobbit, and Inglis just does a wonderful job enthralling us all with this adventure. That's The Hobbit, available on audible.com. And for a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash weekendconfirmed. That's audiblepodcast.com slash weekendconfirmed. All right, back and ready to roll right into it. So another piece of uh, news that I thought was interesting that came up this week is that Microsoft has uh, unveiled its first list of developers who've signed up to do indie games on the Xbox One and trotted out a list of 30 developers. And it's Woo! not... I, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm excited. I mean, I, I was work at Was that genuine one of the, or was that... One of the companies is the odd gentleman that I work for. So we're excited. 
Woo. We got our we got our dev kits today. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I quit yeah. listening as soon as you said uh, Xbox One bias and you hate PS4. So Nicole, I just can't. <laughs> is your mic? Did your mic go out? All I hear from you is bias, 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 bias. Money hat. Uh, uh, that's it, true. Yeah, you heard. I'm, that is a nice. Money I'm happy hat to see. Uh, I'm happy to see. There's a studio on here called Bongfish. <laughs> well, that's Bong a game Fish. I'm looking forward to playing with Connect. How big of a rip do you take? You know, it can really and it can see your heart rate slowing. <laughs> they don't call me. <laughs> and iron. then you turn into a fish. And, yeah. Don't call me Iron Lung for nothing. They don't. It was that horrible disease you had <laughs> oh, yeah, in the forties. Exactly. Uh, anyway, World War One was tough, guys. Loads, <laughs> loads of folks in here, as well as the gentlemen. Uh, you've got Cappy in here. You've got Double Fine, Drinkbox, Gaijin Games. Now, some people have also called, uh, you know, a little bit of foul, or 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 you know, at least throw up their flags a little bit. A little over. bit of dirt. And we're like, yeah, a little bit of dirt. Why, why is Crytek in here? Crytek? And I think that it starts to get into this whole thing about like who actually is an indie. And at this point, I think we've decided that anybody who is a develop, any development studio that self-publishes a game for the self-publishing of that game is more or less now considered an indie. It's the old Lucasfilm debate in movies, right? Where like Star Wars is one of the top grossing independent films of all time because they're their own studio. I'm probably not having the facts exactly right, but something along like Lucasfilm Limited when it was around, it technically wasn't indie, but it's like, that's not, you know, that's not the King's Speech, Star Wars Episode 7. It's the difference between the the common use of the term indie and then not its legal definition, but a technical definition of independently publishing. I think when people think indie, they still think that 10 to $15 downloadable game for for the making of the game they think budget and they think a small studio and they think they think small yeah, so for indie yeah. i still sort of think that small studio thing i think you know you think of teams of about three or four people yeah yeah we're eight yeah i mean like how about this how about this gentlemen's eight people eight, eight people counts <laughs> would you would you consider that so think of the couple of mobile games i'm making would would those studios not be indie studios because gamefly is publishing their game uh, and yet they are, in one case, you know, two people who also use a bunch of freelancers to help them, you know, do art and music and, and that sort of stuff. That to me, that's, they are indie. That's right. I, I mean, I think there's just a split in definition. Right. And I think as most people in the community use the term, they use it the way you do. Right? Yeah. Like that's what indie embodies. But I understand why Microsoft releases this list and includes Crytek on it. So regardless of how you define it, what I really wanted to get to was optimism for this sort of development on the Xbox One now that they've brought out this list. How much does this, you know, invigorate you? Because, of course, it's been a very big point for Sony that they had such excellent, you know, indie support, including, you know, right there on the stage in E3. I'm excited because I think indies are people that could use Connect in really cool, innovative Aha. ways where bigger publishers might be a little more hesitant to do it. And I, I like the idea. I mean, Double Fine did, I think, some of the best stuff with Connect 1. Uh, Playroom on PlayStation 4 is I feel like I'm playing camera. around the horn now. I want to, like, go points, points. <laughs> I, wanna, I kind of want to click points for you there. Happy, points, I, was points? it Happy Action Theater? Oh, or? negative points. Negative oh, points. Stop I'll using see. smart words of names that I'm messing up on. Negative. <laughs> no, you were messing up. I was just saying, I think I remember. <laughs> no, I get to award the points here. Oh, okay. Dang it. Uh, but you got pluses. That's didn't good. Didn't have a Sesame Street game? They oh, did. there was a they did. pluses for that too. <laughs> it was also very good. Um, Gran Turismo Six, Gran Turismo Six, Gran Turismo Six. <laughs> Irrelevant. Oh. Ah, nice. Try but that's that. what I'm now, excited. Now I put you on the mute for a minute. Oh. But, but that's why I'm excited about that access. I think it's great. Yes, and will they they sell systems? Probably not. Not unless there's something amazing announced. You know, at next year's E3 or at VGX coming up. 
but it's great to have. Of so for comparison, did you think that the indie stuff for PS4 would sell Sony systems? No. Okay. So you're you're it's a cool talking point. I mean, indie games are great games, and they all, they bring a lot to the table. But I don't know. I don't know if there's any game right now that's a system seller. Yeah. I mean, we say Titanfall will be, but we'll see. Ozzy, you've it, it, been covering tons of indie games for us on Shaq the, for a long time. How, how did this uh, announcement leave you the, feeling? They're icing on the cake, essentially. Like like everyone said, like it's not a, necessarily a system seller. Nobody's buying a PS4 for Resogun, but if you bought a PS4, you happen to get Resogun, and it's a great game. And, there, and it's going to be the case with Octodad. It's going to be the case with what Cappy's got coming out. So they just posted a video for Super Time Force and for Below just about an hour or so ago, and they look really good. I mean, they don't, they're not system sellers, but they don't really have to be. You, you buy your systems for whatever game you're looking for, and you get some great icing on the cake. And icing's the best part of the cake. That's right. Like, <laughs> let's be honest. Do you think they're system sellers? I don't think they're system sellers, but I do think that they are sometimes system tipping points. So if you're a consumer who's said, you know, if you're a gamer who's saying they're looking at both these systems, which, you know, the combined cost, again, pretty expensive, you could be a very, you know, a, com- a very big part of your decision making process of like, oh, you know, I really believe in what's happening, you know, in the, in the PlayStation Network's indie world, or I believe in what's happening in the Xbox One's indie world, I, you know, and, and, and they were very different over last generation as well. You had yeah. fewer titles on PlayStation Network, but you always had ones, you know, such as the Unfinished Swan that really, or Flower that you know and journey these ones that really struck these i'm gonna go an extra step for the concept i'm gonna really sell out for the you know artistic expression i've got something to really do super creative here on the other hand one had games that harkened back to a prior era that were really just about pure gaming in my hand experience all the stuff that clay entertainment did right yeah like just it's just sit down awesome experience with the controller you know, that sort of go back to that era of games. Oh, Behemoth the, did those kind of games. Behemoth. the be- Yeah, right. Castle Crashers, any of those those games. And I think that that's another big part of indie that's really cool is you see these games, you see these sorts of games that we loved, you know, 15 and 20 years ago, reimagined in a current generation and and done by people in, I think the thing that's really important about that for this game, for that sort of game is that they're super passionate about it and it's not they're not there just making a game because they're going to make a $60 box game that's a franchise game that's going to be marketed by a 500 person team and and they're making this game because they loved those games sure and they wanted to make this sort of game forever and now they're going to do it and it's going to be awesome yeah that kind of enthusiasm is is exactly what's kind of going on right now because as a developer they're just making it they're going to make it really easy for us to push the games out there and like patch the games and display the games. And the games are going to be displayed. Um, they're not going to be hidden, you know? Right. Microsoft is going to be very proud of these games. And that's that's a big thing because it's hard to, it's hard to market your indie game. That's where I'm concerned, though. Because I was going to say, I, I agree. My personal bias, I preferred, quote-unquote, indies on PS3 more than I liked the Xbox indies that I played. But I feel like there is this perception that the PS3 had these more artistic, deeper, cooler indies. And I think part of the reason the Xbox 360 didn't have that is because there were so many there was arcade a, games. There's always a deluge. Shadow Complex, yeah, it's an action Metroidvania, but that was beautiful. That was fun. It was well thought out. There was passion behind it. it there was love. There was all those things that you would see in a PS3 indie. And I feel like now with self-publishing... Wasn't that though? It was, that's it what was. I'm saying. Yeah, that, okay. That's my point. But you know, I would have put it more games. in the other class. I would have put it more in that class of game of Resurrect because it was so Metroidvania feeling. I would have put it more in that uh, we're going to take something old and, and classic and make it in a new way. Okay, uh, yeah. 
I I won't argue that point, but I think people would maybe look. What I'm trying to say is, I think people would look more fondly at the Xbox 360 indie games or arcade games if there were fewer of them. Because mm-hmm. when you name PS3 indies that are great, everybody names the same five or six, mm-hmm. and then no one can think of anything else. Or if you ask, "What's your favorite Xbox 360 arcade game?" Different people could list a different ten. But isn't that like an awesome problem? No, it is. It is. But I'm saying the problem I see now for this next gen with self-publishing and getting things out there is that. At some point, I think you're going to hit an iOS type um, kind of a glut. It's clutter. Clutter, right. And and I don't, ex- Microsoft can't constantly be elevating stuff to the top. The way iOS tries to say, here's, you know, tries to curate collections and games for you, well, it's going to become difficult. There's another question. Do you, how much of that, how much do you want that? You know, how much do you want the platform holders to be exercising creative, you know, oversight and curation, as you put it, over this stuff? And how much do you want? You know, the, Apple's thing is we're we're trying and and God bless them. They do try very hard to be egalitarian. Now they get worked because there's so much money in play that outside that 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 there are enormous numbers of people outside the iOS world, outside of Apple's camp, who aren't really doing anything other than trying to figure out how can I spend money to get more people playing my Apple iOS game because that then they'll make more money. Yeah. And, and there's only so much Apple can do to thwart them because of the way they set the system up. Right. Now, would you want that to happen in in consoles or would you are you afraid that would happen in consoles and are you afraid enough that you'd rather have you know chris charla there at xbox like really standing over all of this indie content and being hands-on and saying you know what we're going to make sure that what you're making is 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 you know worthy seal of approval nintendo seal of or whatever i i want it curated but in an idealistic world i know it won't live up to that but i you I want find- charlemagne I do. I find it frustrating on my Vita, which I bought Tearaway through the PlayStation Store on my Vita. And that isn't even super intuitive because for whatever reason, it wasn't in the what's new when I loaded it. So I had to go to all Vita games and it was alphabetical. Then I had to, you know, A through M or N through Z and scroll through and find T and find Tearaway and buy it. And if you're just browsing through that, you're not going to stumble upon that great of a game. And yeah, there's word of mouth. Everybody listening to this show knows oh, it's a great game, whatever, whatever, whatever. But I would love it if there was a way that like the game that Nicole's working on or the games that you're putting out through Shaq on iOS. Um, like I told my in-laws about, I'm like, you guys would love this game. You love word games. It's silly. It's fun. They're like, oh, great. What is it? And they kept spelling it wrong and I had to Google how to spell it right. <laughs> and there are real problems there. So yes, I would love it if somehow it was curated well but I don't think that will happen. But it doesn't mean that shouldn't be the goal. Would you guys want to see some a system similar to Steam Greenlight on either console? Because because I know that system isn't perfect, but that's a that's a great way to know what's what games are coming up and what games are worthwhile. I don't think it's the same audience. I don't think that the PS4 and, and one, Xbox One audience would care enough to curate that for you know the mass of gamers. Right. I mean, it's kind of what they tried on. Um, Indie Games Channel, right? Was right. some form of that. Right. Like community approval. And I, I want to believe. <laughs> I still think that's a great system, but. Well, I think that these, I think both platforms are really reliant on, I, I do think that it's important to have some degree of oversight and curation because I do think the glut thing happens. And we've got some great people out there watching. I mentioned Chris over at Xbox, but you, you keep in mind that on PS. And you've got Shane, you've got Nick Sutner. There's a whole group working with them as well. So I think it's I think it's invaluable the work that those folks do to help nurture these games so that they get brought up. But I think that it would be interesting to go back to Ozzy's point about Greenlight. The only problem is 
when Xbox tried that last generation, it yeah. became an utter disaster. And, and, and even Steam Greenlight right now isn't, it's a mess. isn't going so well. Like, and it can get jobbed, you know, and then it becomes, it's, 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 it's almost akin I, to, you know, like an online petition. I, I liked Greenlight when it started. I liked it when they were picking out like maybe about a dozen or so games like every month. But like yesterday, they picked out a hundred games and it's like, okay. Okay, we're back to the same problem that you were at to start with. Exactly. And then what happens, you know, if, if you look at the old indie game marketplace on Xbox Live and you say, well, this didn't work because it was such a mess. Then if someone comes in to try and organize it before long, that organizing person becomes an organizing group. The organizing group becomes a whole arm of Microsoft. The next thing you know is you've duplicated Xbox Live Indie and you've made now two indie game things that are still the same thing where they basically have people overseeing the games. It just it's it's, it's chaos. really It's chaos. It's really Absolute difficult to chaos. run that in the middle. It's a bug. It's a side. Oh my gosh, I can't handle it. It's the great problem that we live in, right? Like it's it a, is problem, a damn good but problem. It's like there are, there's so much content and so many creative people making awesome things. And I think we will get there. I think we'll find a way. I like, you know, Pandora or Netflix had that challenge for a while where if you can come up with a bigger, better algorithm for recommending movies, you know, we'll give you a million dollars. And I think someone did win that. But I mean, people are working on it. There are smart people working on it. And I hope they keep getting better and better and better it's a good problem to have but it's definitely a problem so you have been playing on the vita a game by a little company that to me although they are a now a a large studio feel like an indie studio despite the fact that they've now made you know major hit after major hit in little big planet little big planet 2, little big planet racing and now you have Tearaway, Media Molecule, Superstars, obviously a big studio, yet they feel like an indie studio. They're so quirky. Then and they have that spirit. And how well does that come through in Tearaway? Tearaway is my flower to give you shit. It is worth two hundred dollars. <laughs> Your shit smells like a flower. It smells like go buy a Vita. And part of it might be where I am right now. I, I started playing it two days ago and then I got the news about my grandmother this morning, and then I just spent the day playing Tearaway, and it's so delightful. It's so fun. Like, to label it, it's a third-person third person platformer, but, like, the platforming is not incredibly difficult. There doesn't seem to be a real penalty when you die other than, you know, redoing the thing. But the first time you walk through water in the game and you see how uh, Media Molecule represents it in that world, you... you create snowflakes you design them using the touchscreen and a construction paper and you put it together and then you put them into the world and then everywhere you go where it's snowing you see your designed snowflakes which could be penises if that's what you want it that, definitely yeah. could be penises of course definitely they, they could also be wookies they could be wookies or they could Copyright, be though, so. yellow snowflakes with uh green little centers with smiley face eyes those are my snowflakes <laughs> it's so if you're making yellow snow with green centers you should probably see a doctor <laughs> well, i should probably see a doctor then because that's exactly what i made it's so fun and it's so cute and creative and charming and gorgeous. It's a game where. So you hate it. I I would give it a two. Uh, <laughs> where is it? You know, graphically pushing things as hard as well, probably not. But it's like designed so well the way they built the world and the way the paper comes into play for the, the puzzle solving. Um, I can't sing enough praises for this game. I have a platformer question for you then. Okay. So in Little Big Planet, I I played it and I always felt like I could never get the timing right because it was such like a floaty kind of thing. It was kind of like Sackboat always kind of hover and I would never time it right because of that. 
Does this game have that, or is it more? No, it it's much more standard platforming fare. Um, good to know. Some of the touch controls on, like you'll you know use your finger on the front of the screen to swipe paper one way or the other, might not be immediately responsive, like as quickly as you want it to be. You might think you got it, but you didn't. But it doesn't. It's not in plus. It's not Super Meat Boy that you oh. Oh, now I got it, and it's fine, and you're still having fun in this world. How's the jumping? Down. That's what, Nicole, it's great. Yeah. And you don't even get jumping until a little bit in the game. We have to earn it? Yeah, well, they kind of say, hey, you can. You want to jump? Jump. And you're like, woohoo, <laughs> I can jump. It's so good, and it sucks when this game came out. Oh, it's yeah. It's a new we, IP. We were talking about that last week. New yeah. consoles, Zelda on 3DS, which is so good, and then Mario on Wii U, Wii U which is so good. And here's poor Tearaway. I hope... Sony, make another one of these. Make a PS4 version uh, in a year or two. Like, this is the game that should be iterated on. If this game had come out instead of Little Big Planet, like, this makes Little Big Planet look like shit. <laughs> it has all the cute and fun of customization, not the world customization, but like designing your character, designing things in the world that are immediately realized exactly as you drew them. It's so good. Jeff Kanata, play this game. You will love it. Garnet, this is my brother's challenge to you. You insisted that Jeff play Brothers. Right. I'm going to keep insisting. I will loan you my Vita to play this game. Wait till I have control of Spicer's PSN account. What are you going to do? <laughs> I don't know. Add, I don't add, have a credit card link to it. Add oh. more penises. I get, all the snowflakes will be penises. Guess what? They already are. Um, it's so good, you There'll guys. Be bigger ones this time. <laughs> uh, I believe you. Don't overlook this game. I I, feel, I could just sit here and you should. No, people people really how, want to know about how it much forever. have you played with the customization? Like how much? How, how many things have you made with it? Well, aside from penises, so you get design a jackal, a, a pumpkin head, and turned it into a penis. You could design your face, turned it into a penis. Snowflakes, penis flakes, uh, clothing, penis costume for. Have you ever a thought sheep? about doing a breakfast penis. cereal? Penises, <laughs> all penises. Just, just can't just can't upload them to uh, Sony servers, right? Well, you, there's different servers for okay. penises, and okay. you get way more hits on those ones. <laughs> um, you customize your You're looking guy. for the one called Cock and Balls. I was going to say, at what point did this turn into Spore? <laughs> I think it did pretty quickly for Spicer. <laughs> there aren't that many penises, guys. It's, uh, you can customize a lot, um, but it's not, at the beginning of the game, it's not, go build the world. So it's let me ask you a question. design your guy, and then you build more through. Because I was, I was a huge believer of or believer in and lover of Little Big Planet. Yeah. But I felt like one of the things that Little Big Planet struggled with was that it was early on in the user-generated content development uh, in game design. And and it got really caught up in that. And then while that was great, there's far more people who want to play games than there are those who want to create in them. And creating is really fun, but creating... what well, I think the allure of creating is oftentimes much more its appeal than the actual creating. I think a lot of times you get into creating, especially this was part of Little Big Planet's thing, was you realized, oh, wow, there's all these cool things I could do. And you started doing, you realized, wow, you know what? Doing something cool with these is really tough. And that's what's great about Tearaway. You're not building the level. You're not world building. You're creating, you're customizing your character. You're customizing um, things that you see in the world. But you also don't have to. When you start the game, it's like, design your guy. You can just put eyes on it and go. You got to design a jack-o'-lantern so that it scares off crows. Eyes, go. You don't You don't have to spend time doing it. I designed three different snowflakes before I found snowflakes. That I, you could just, you know, do a circle and be done with it. A snowflake okay. unique as you. As Every snowflake is just like fingerprints. They fall from the sky. Oh. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's... So that's what I think it strikes a great balance where you're able to really play and have fun with these things. 
And you're also able to ignore people in the booth when they try to put uh, shit on the screen. <laughs> the penis snowflake exists. It's so... It's Holy crap, it does. Online. You can just get a pattern. It's so, so um, good, you guys. Play Tearaway. If you got a Vita, there's some great Black Friday. No, actually, actually that, that interface does look really good, actually. You know, penises aside. Go get it. If you are in Los Angeles and I'm at a show and you see me, I'll probably have my Vita with me. So, so, so as far as the thing, come play so, some Tearaway. So it's a lot of you adding your creative touch yes within the context of the level that was designed which is interesting because if you go back and look at little big planet a lot of what they did as they started to as media Molecules started to recognize the you know the challenges of users creating content and how to overcome that was this idea of they would encourage you to hop into something you like right and then modify it right and now they've sort of taken that out and made that the whole game. Is that the way I'm understanding it? Yeah, but you're not even you're you're not modifying. Look, what is the what is the balance of this game? I mean, can I go in and just play the game without creating things? How does give me the setup for Tearaway? Okay. Yes. To answer your question, yes. Small asterisks. You'll have to put eyes on this pumpkin to make it a scarecrow. But okay. you don't have to spend time picking out the eyes. It can just be slap slap. Go. Yeah, think of that as a different kind of gameplay. And then you're in the world and you're just playing this game and the whole world is so charming and everything about it and the way you interact with things in the world and you're doing light um, platforming and light puzzle solving. And is there a story to the game? What is Mr. Tearaway's reason for being in Papercraft world? There is a story. Um, you are an envelope, a messenger, and you need to give a message to a you, which is you. It uses a front-facing camera, so it's it plays well. It breaks that fourth wall of you're helping your guy. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that and part. It's like, use the help, and your your face is in the sun. And it's Teletubby like, status? Except, yeah, except the help of the you. And so that's how it justifies when you, you know, you've seen in the videos, you poke your hands in yep. using the back touch. Yep. You know, those are supposed to be your hands and it's it's very open. So they are that. your hands. They are your hands. So it's a very literal expression of you interacting into the game. And other people that's in the really world cool. are like, who was, what is, and it's called a you. What is this you? It's so scary. Uh, but we hear you're going to go talk to it and deliver it a message. Oh, good luck to you. And, uh, and to you too. And it's just, it's really charming. If there's one thing that... Maybe I don't know if this is dumb or not, but honestly, that piece that I just, that I wasn't aware of that you just explained is maybe the most interesting creative element of it all. The whole fourth wall shattering piece of you being interacting into the game and you, that being really... It's really clever. You don't, it's you really don't see smart. stories told that way. That's really cool. It's really it, cool. It's told in like second person, which is kind of, you, you don't see that. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, ultimately the story... You can probably throw it away. And it's not, you know, it's not The Last of Us. You're not playing this game to see what happens to Joel and Ellie, but it's but cool. Here the interaction Will the envelope piece. get delivered? Yeah, <sighs> right. The, the way that they work in that you're playing the game, like it's very much that you're playing the game and helping this little guy out. I love that. And it's, it's really good. Play it. I said it's really good so many times, but please don't overlook this game. Uh, this is why I'm drawing out these things. You see, I have to get the real. Just saying, I really love it doesn't really I feel like help. I've people. done a pretty good. You've uh, done okay now. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> I put you on mute. Um, no, any other, So what have I not explained? Questions? I don't have a Vita. You need a Vita. I just bought a 3ds. I'm. I'm, I'm ga- ga- games like Tearaway really don't get enough attention. As much as I like a game like Last of Us, and as much as I like something like Bioshock Infinite, like there's nothing. A game like Tearaway doesn't get as much attention just because it's so bright and cheerful. And well, it's a and, new IP on a system that people have already dismissed. Yeah, and that, in 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 that regard, not only is the timing bad for what it faced in the market, the timing is bad because 
you know, the Vita has not had the hoped for renaissance and it's still very much a hoped for renaissance yeah. that, you know, we, we hope that the PS4 will, you know, get people into the Vita world. And, you know, when they do bring in the new model to America, maybe that'll help reinvigorate sales some as well. You know, you it's a shame so. that this wasn't, couldn't have been a launch game because this is for the Vita. game that showcases, yeah, for Vita, how you use all of the components of it. And do you need to? Like the front-facing camera to put you in the world is cool. Poking your fingers through the world by using back touch is cool. I mean, technically, the game doesn't need any of that, but the way it uses them and incorporates them into the game mm-hmm. is so fresh and original. And it's people gave me shit when I said that I liked uh, Uncharted on Vita, and I actually didn't mind. There's parts in that game where you rub the screen to do, you know, like Indian yeah, paper rubbings, yeah. and it's like I didn't mind that. I thought it was kind of a clever way to use a Vita. People were like that's stupid. It broke the gameplay. Here, it's not. A shifting the like the whole game incorporates you using all of the pieces of the Vita in a fun, intuitive way. So let me ask you a question because we're coming up to holidays, yep. and I would say that of everyone I know, you are the most authoritative Vita player and user, especially with a critic's voice. Okay, thinking about Vita for the holidays. Yeah, what would you know? What would your five minute buyer's guide? For, or gamers guide for someone thinking about a Vita for the holidays or thinking about asking for one. What should you know? Where would you put the Vita in the holiday gift list? And what would you say essential selections? What would you have to have? What, you know, paint me that picture. Sure. If you were buying a Vita this holiday for yourself or for a loved one, no, I mean without the douchey part. Vitas <laughs> are great. If you have a PS4, it's higher on the list because for me, remote play in the same in my house has worked flawlessly. Aside from it not having all of the buttons, so you're kind of using the back touch, whatever. It works. It's yeah, cool. Yeah, touch for R2 or whatever is, is It can awkward. be frustrating. But for some games, it works. Just like playing Need for Speed, uh, remote play in bed has been a f- great experience. Um, although, car- although I heard that using a shooter for remote play hasn't been really well received because you have to use a back touch for a lot of those buttons. Right, right. <laughs> it's give or take, play it. But it's still kind of cool just to go waste some time mm-hmm. while in bed doing that. Um, Tearaway is amazing. Top of the list. Killzone Mercenaries, amazing game. Short but really fun single-player campaign. If you like the world of Killzone, which I do, it paints an interesting story and fleshes out some of that world where you're playing as a mercenary on both sides of the tale. Because let's be honest, everybody in Killzone are assholes. Uh, (laughs) There's not like one side you're really rooting for. It's a really fun game. Uncharted, the PS Plus games that you get for free are great. And it helps build out your library. Actually, the PS Plus is the reason that I got a Vita, just because there are so many free games that they're going to give you. It's just worth getting. Uh, So get a Vita. Get a memory card, 32 gigs. It's expensive. Oh, it's man. Sale. That's the biggest I, sticking point against the Vita. They offered them for half price at GameStop on uh, Cyber Monday, and even though it was an arm and a leg. Like, still, a 32 gig on sale was 40 bucks. Still too much. It's yeah. still too much. If you have the money to spare, I would recommend a Vita, 32 gig memory card. Um, this is a diverse type game set. Tearaway, Killzone Mercenary, Wipeout. Oh, so <laughs> fucking good. Injustice Complete Edition. That covers your spectrum of games, and they're all excellent on the Vita. They're all great handheld experiences. If you're spending your real-world money, do I recommend a Vita over a 3DS XL and Zelda and Mario Land 3D and Animal Crossing? Depends what type of games you like. For sure. That's not Pokemon, dude. Oh, and Pokemon. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm not a personal Pokemon player, but that's four great games, and that's a great argument for a 3DS XL, and yeah. it's cheaper. I prefer the Vita because I prefer Wipeout to Animal You know, as you compare those games, that's the preference I chose. I don't think you can go wrong with either handheld system this holiday. Now, do you put any value in the Vita's, you know, 
tablet attempt utilities. No. Email. Okay. No. <laughs> You're not Skype. You're not using have, it as a Skype device. I have not... my Vita here, and then I have my have like Retina iPad Mini. You have devices with you. Uh, with me also. No, definitely, definitely not. So um, no, that's up. You're not in the email. No, no, no. 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 Netflix is great on it. Okay. Oh yeah, it's got the OLED screen, right? Yeah, it's great. It works. It works really well. It's great, but no, no. All right, Nicole, would you counter punch on the uh, 3DS XL? I mean, I feel like he he presented a very good argument here. I mean, the, the Vita sounds like a nice machine, and it sounds nice. Um, I'm not a huge Wipeout fan, not a huge Killzone fan, so I don't think that... that no, it's a system for me. The 3DS, though... Oh, oh I just opened it. Did you hear, me open? You did you hear me open it? I, I did hear you now open you it. Now you know it's open. <laughs> um, does the Vita do that? No, it doesn't open. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I would like 3DS. And I but didn't... it makes a sound when you turn it on. Yeah, yeah. And when you swipe the screen open, when you peel back the, the fake screen. with there. The 3DS is a great, <laughs> has great games. It's a shitty piece of hardware. Yeah, I mean, this, I don't... Oh, it's come not... on now. Shitty is a bit of an overstatement. I mean, the it, one it, analog it, nub that's shitty. You can, not, buy, you can get an add-on. That's I, big and shitty. I, I do I do not like the uh, the analog. The nub. XL was an afterthought, so the resolution isn't great because all they did is blow it up. All they, so the pixel density. Don't is, get me wrong. Uh, I agree. I love it, but it's a shitty piece of hardware with great games. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a shitty piece of hardware. I just think it's not the you know the technical achievement that the Vita is capable of. But at the same time, I don't. Have you seen Zelda and Pokemon? Like, I would say, I still, I still think shitty is a bit of an overstatement. I, really? Yeah. Okay. I, I think so. If you look at this Especially piece of hardware, you, say you like it. Yeah, it's shitty, but I like it. Like, I mean, that it does a lot sense. of the, it does a lot of I things like that games. I want out of a, out of a, out of a. Portal. I'd rather play it. I'd rather play all those games on my Vita. Well, the XL is and you don't have two and, screens. And the, and the, the XL inventory. is all, the 3DS is also a lot more social. In fact, I was going to say this when I talked about Zelda later, but the things that the 3DS is doing with Street Pass, it's it's, an, get, it's awesome. phenomenal. You get hats, you get puzzle pieces. In the case of Zelda, you can fight right. other people's shadow links. That's really cool, and I really wish more third parties would kind of come and up with an idea like that. Kanata railed on this uh, when it came out, also with it's not good for lefties oh. because of the only yeah. the one nub. It's it's is the Vita better? Yeah, it has dual nubs. But is it really that much better? Yes, because you still have the D pad on one side and the buttons on the other. But you can cross map, <laughs> so you could go. You can use a D pad for buttons. for buttons. Yeah, with it's, it's, it's just as good as it's as good as a Dual Shock. It's a for fix. You're right. It's mm-hmm. it's a game. It's you a, get that points. Ding ding. And the other and Kanata railed on this also. The biggest problem with the 3ds over the DS is the way the 3D screen is stuck on the top, and the touch screen. Is stuck on the bottom, which means that you can't your, your play screen. You never interact with directly. Right. Whereas in Tearaway, for instance, on the Vita, you're interacting with the field where you're playing. And you used to be able to do that on the DS, and it was a great feature of it. I love the games on the 3DS. The system is shitty. Uh, I still disagree point? with you on the shitty. I mean, look, it's a it's a sturdy piece of hardware. It's great for portable because you fold it up. It's the screens are protected. I I would never worry about throwing a 3DS just like that folded up, throw it in my bag. I've done it. Matter of fact, I have my 3DS in here. It may not be an XL, but I have it in here, and I don't ever worry about it. Would I ever pass later, man? I, I, I will concede that. Point. Would I, would I, I throw my case. Vita in there? Fuck no, I wouldn't. I want my Vita inside a case with like a microfiber cloth wrapped around it. And when I take it out, I want to be all. I mean, so I think from so that, so you care about it because it's a good piece of hardware. No, I, it's a. <laughs> Kanata also needs to upgrade pieces. to an XL. Different durability, different sure. ways that I uh, that I. Treat I will the concede thing. that point that it is great and clamshell, and you can set it. And forget it. But and I, while and while the difference between the 3D screen top and the touchscreen lower may result in some, you know, problems as far as interacting with games. 
the idea of dual screen play has been really, really well demonstrated to be, in many cases, something that's cool to play with. On the 3DS? No, I, on the yeah, DS. Yeah, I like it on the DS in general. I agree. On the DS, it was great. The 3DS, they haven't done great well, stuff with it. I mean, I st- it helps me organize with maps, and it helps me organize with inventory. But that could just be one big screen. You know what I mean? Well, they'd cut in half, and then I'd, if they cut it in a screen in half, then I'd it, feel deprived in some way. It, it's it's more intuitive than <laughs> what... I'd the, know. I mean, it could be a 2DS that folded. It, right. right. The, the, the dual screen setup's more intuitive than what the consoles are trying to do with, like, X- Xbox Smart Glass and, like, the Vita Remote Play. Like, Second it feels, screen right, experiences. Yeah, yeah, with that. I, don't, I mean, with the, with the smart screen stuff, I don't like the idea of bending down my neck to, like, look away from the... I mean, it sounds silly, I think, but, like... I don't want to look away from the TV to look at another screen. Yeah, I actually this, have that problem too. This is too. actually something I can look at at the same time. And to your point about not touching the top screen, my top screen is covered in fingerprints. Like, I will not learn that you can't touch this. <laughs> See, that, like, it's that, covered and, and it's hard to get them out. That's bad. Des- Again, internet. But yell I mean, at me. I don't not, care. It's, it's poorly, a trivial point, though. It's poorly designed because for what it should be. In it, the they end, it's made about it's- games. I think it's kind of funny that even after even Nintendo kind of dismissed 3D as a gimmick, it's been coming out with some really good 3D well, games lately. That that being said, today they announced or this week they announced a 2D Pokemon bundle that's going to just own the, Christmas. The, the 2DS Pokemon yeah. bundle, yeah. I mean, uh, why why didn't they come out with that before? Well, because they had Pokemon to bundle it with. I mean, it's going to be a huge game for kids. Yeah, it, if you want well, parents because they you want could sell what they wanted you. to at launch, and now they can come back at holiday and sell more. Yeah, that's I mean that's just. Mar- that's Nintendo knowing how to market. Well, and, I mean that that Zelda 3DS. Like I bought this Pokemon 3DS in October. I was this close. I'm I'm showing a small amount of space <laughs> in between my fingers to getting the 3D the Zelda 3DS. Even though I just bought this because it looks so cool and I wanted it. And I it buy that one Zelda- from you. I mean, oh hey, I, I, let's talk. <laughs> I, I was gonna do the same thing until I realized. Wait, I have a 3DS and I have Zelda. So wait, why am I doing this again? Yeah, then I just see so now buying used XLs. That would be a thing here. here and Christian, lest I be misinterpreted, mm-hmm. I was just saying that I think shitty is a bit too hard of an admonishment. I don't think it's a great. I I think that it's not it a fantastic. Flaws. It's it's definitely flawed. It's certainly nowhere near the execution level of the Vita. But I think for what it does. For the sort of handheld device it is, for 150 bucks or 200 bucks if it's not on sale, I guess. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess at 200 bucks, it's a whole different prop. Well, not different, but it's a little different proposition. But for you know, for for the handheld space it's going into as the product that plays these awesome games, it's okay. I wouldn't say it's great. I wouldn't say it's fantastic, but it's okay. I'm in the minority, but I would have been okay with just the control pad. I, I really don't like the analog nub at all. What about really? What about the yeah. PSN? It is, it is kind of a it, crummy little slider. Yeah, thing. it really is. I'm not in love with it either. What about the digital selection of games from the Vita? Like, does it compare to the e the the eShop? Because there's so many games that, that Nintendo's pulling back from. Like, I mean, we're talking like 85 games, not 85 and, games, but games from 85. Even oh, as a nice exclusive with the uh, Phoenix Wright. Yeah. As a as a digital. No, but that's exclusive. not a good digital. Ex- no, no, I'm not saying that's games not a not the hardware mate. That's not a pro. Like, oh, you can only get it online. Uh, Vita is day one digital for, I think, every game. Most, if not all games. You get a discount with uh, PlayStation Plus, right? I think it's like 20%. Sometimes, yeah. Some, I don't know. I've been Plus for so long, I honestly don't know if I'm getting a discount because I'm Plus or just because it's online. I still need to invest in uh, Spelunky. But there are digital-only games. It's becoming a little bit of an indie machine, which is great. I love both. Don't get me wrong. I love both. You can't have it all. Why do you hate Nintendo? 
Okay, seriously? <laughs> uh, let's go on this train ride, you guys. Yeah, only, uh, only uh, do we really want to go down, down this rabbit train. hole? <laughs> I tell you what, we'll take a break. When we come back on the other side, we will do a, a little more Zelda love because uh, Oz has finished it, Nicole's been playing it, and I know everybody out there has been clamoring at me that Zelda is got to be considered for game of the year and oh, that, yeah. I, that I must play it. So Tear away first. <laughs> also, a lot of people have said that should be in consideration for game of the year. That's so. what I heard too. Too bad you don't have a Vita. Wait, I have you a, looked at me. I have a Vita. And Garn and I both have them. Oh, well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, people. I also have a Vita. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad I don't have a Vita. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. All right. So when we come back, we will switch handheld gears and go into the non lefty friendly <laughs> XL land and talk about some Zelda. Stick around. We'll be right back. Why worry about what platform when what you really want is a high-end gaming PC? And it is a great pleasure for me, although Jeff is not here to corroborate this story, to have Doghouse Systems on board as our as our PC sponsor. These guys, uh, both Jeff and I have bought PCs from them. They make an excellent gaming rig, uh, high-end, powerful gaming computers, and configurable. They have a lot of different options in how you might want to configure to uh, suit whatever needs you have for your gaming needs. You could call them and discuss what those are and how they can give you the best machine to fit that. They have, of course, great performance for value. But I think one of the things we've talked about before and, and hopefully you're on board with is the value of customer service. If you're going to build yourself, certainly that is a less expensive way to approach things. But if you're going to spend some money and go with a boutique machine, doghouse systems are absolutely the the school of thought that I'm that I'm part for. They have a boutique method for building. They get in there and do it by hand. It's it's when I open up my box and see the way all the wires are routed around it when I clean it out, I'm like I'm so glad I let them build it because this is what I always wanted my PC to look like. And this is what I hoped my PC would look like. And when they put it together, it is what it looks like. And that's fantastic. So we've got a deal together with them right now. If you use code TGIF, you'll get a free weekend confirmed t-shirt and you'll get a $30 credit on slashloot.com. You can check them out over at www.doghousesystems.com. Yes, that's like a doghouse, you know, like the place you put the dog. They're located in Dallas, Texas. Do a great job. We are super happy to have them on board here. So if you're uh, looking for a holiday gift PC or just one for yourself or a gaming laptop, go by Doghouse Systems, www.doghousesystems.com. That was my cue to come back in. <laughs> I'm sort of sitting here spacing out. I was thinking about <laughs> What's going oh, on? Zelda I'm watching Christian play Tearaway. We won't hear anything else from him now. He's got one ear off. He's just playing Tearaway. We get it. You like it. It's so good. There's paper in it. <laughs> it's so it's so it's so good. Zelda is great. Zelda's great. I just put my that was my Vita getting put away in its case. It's a nice case. You like it. There's paper. There's paper in it, bro. You get to design stuff with construction. How about paper. recycling? Is there a recycling like, you know, hey, how any great message? Is, how great is Zelda? Tell me how great it is. Ozzy, spoil the ending. I can't well, don't spoil the ending. Uh, no, I'm not gonna spoil the ending. I'm just gonna I, I was just gonna do a bit of a comparison later. But I think it was really interesting. I was talking to Nicole before the show and She's never actually played a link to the past, so she doesn't have that comparison True. point. My Dude, first Zelda was Link's Awakening. I can't Game even... Game Boy Pocket. What up? Old school, not as old as not. Middle school. I, I, even if you even if you played it, I mean, we're talking it it's a sequel, but you'll recognize a lot a lot of things about it. You'll recognize that the map is pretty much kind of cut and pasted from the first. The only real oh. difference between the the between the locations in the first game and this game is that for some reason the Turtle Rock Dungeon and the Ice Fortress are switched. Like, now the Ice Fortress is in Lake Hylia, and tr- I mean, 
now the ice fortress is in Death Mountain. You'll, and you'll have to wait for Harul Historia two in order to get the actual <laughs> to, to, to find out at what point those two just decided like okay, let's we're going to switch these places here. But which uh, timeline you're actually in? There's, there's a no, well, another new timeline. Well, that's the thing. They go out, they kind of go out of their way to talk about how this is a sequel to a Link to the Past. And but they also have so much of the story that's based on Ocarina of Time. How much of it is based on Ocarina of Time? Uh, the Seven Sages. Well, yeah, because in Link to the Past, like, they're all descended from the Seven Sages. You never find out which sages they are until you play Ocarina of Time. Yeah, but yeah, that's, to me, like, that's why I connected with it. Because I, like, I hadn't played Link to the Past, but I'm like, this is like an Ocarina of Time. Does I'll- this make you want to go play Link to the Past when you're done with this game? If it didn't look like it does. What, what's wrong with the way it looks? I think it holds up better than uh, Ocarina, like that era of game. Really? Yeah, it's Sprite, top-down, Super Nintendo. No, no, it's no. Uh, it's not down in sixty four, but I get what you're saying. Oh, yeah, it sorry. does look a little bit rough now compared to given how how much we've been spoiled visually. Well, I'm, I'm saying I don't think a link between worlds looks bad. No, I mean you, we're we're asking about if you're going to go yeah, back. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. I just I, I have trouble going back. Okay, going back. I mean, I think Ocarina of Time looks great still. I mean, Ocarina of Time on the 3ds. I mean, I'm incredibly biased. I mean, I'm wearing Zora Sapphire like right now. Like I have. A, I have a Zelda Ocarina of Time obsession. Is Link to the Past on the eShop? Forgive me for not knowing. Uh, yes, it's on, the, it's on the virtual console right now on the Wii, and you should be able to get Ooh, it if you have a Wii, Wii U. Or 3DS. Uh, 3DS, I think it is. I don't know off the top of my head. But you still loved the game, or are loving the game, having never played right. Link to the Past. Be- but be- because you know, Ocarina kind of follows that same kind of Zelda history that Ocarina did, and then you know, Wind Waker kind of picks up on it too. I just figured, oh, that's where that's from. I understand fully. I completely caught up. I, I know everything I need to know. I didn't feel like I needed to play A Link to the Past at all. I think it would have been great if I had, and I had that kind of nostalgia and then backstory to compare it to, but I didn't even think twice about it. And I think, I think I'm think i one of those guys that kind of dismissed the gimmicks of the last few Zelda games. Like I'm just like, okay, he's got an hourglass now. Oh, he's got a cap that makes him shrink. He's on a train for some reason. The train Whoa. was stupid. <laughs> train was stupid. Minish Cap was awesome, mm-hmm. by the way. Second point, uh, Wind Waker. Oh, awesome. That's right. Ooh, not a huge Wind Waker fan. First DS, Wind Waker sequel, whatever it was called, Saley, Direct Saley. Yeah. Also awesome. Saley, Direct Saley? Saley, Direct Saley. Zelda. <laughs> I don't even remember that one to be honest. Saley, Direct Saley <laughs> for the Nintendo DS. It was before the train one, before Spirit Tracks. The one Phantom Hourglass. Yeah. Wait, was it Phantom Hourglass? Yeah. Saley McSailerson. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed Phantom Hourglass. That was the Going back one. to that same trait, that same temple. Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember if I liked that or disliked that, I, but I remember doing that. I, <laughs> I don't know if that speaks volumes of the but, game or not. Well, yeah, I kind of dismissed like the gimmicks <laughs> of the last few Zelda games. But I got to say, the painting gimmick, the one where you're just it's like... It's not a playing, gimmick. Well, it's really it's, good. It's, it's cool. Really well, I'm always trying well to figure done. out ways to beat puzzles and stuff like that with it. And like I, I'm always like super bummed when um, a wall has a ledge that I can't. Yeah. Become a painting wall. I'm like, oh man, and then, I and then suddenly your meter's running out, and then you're just like, uh, come out like right over a cliff. Yeah. Link to oh, the past happened. was Super Nintendo. Yes, it was. I thought you said in '64. She said in '64 for Ocarina. Ocarina. 64. I'm so confused, you guys. Let's talk about how great Zelda is. <laughs> it's so great. I put my I put my veto away. I'm just just me being confused. Hey, no, hey, no one said They're that. The ti- great. No one said that the timeline was coherent. Skyward Sword wasn't great. I'll just say it. So, Jeff's not here to back it to argue with me. Jeff loves that game, but I've seen his it's, play history. He's like a quarter of the way through it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> He's, have fun in New York being a successful actor, Jeff. You're yeah, no, burned. but that, that's exactly my point. Skyward Sword is fun until you get to hour like 35, it's and they're like, long. go back to that place you've already beaten three times. And now it's all and, underwater. And bring me back a cloud. I'm it's like, not Shut up. even underwater. 
water half the time. It's just go back. And you're like, oh. It's filler. It's too long. And if he hasn't played 90 hours, then he's not halfway done. <laughs> and by, by, by comparison, A Link Between Two Worlds is about as long as A Link to the Past. It's only about like maybe 20, 25 hours. Not, not bad at all. Yeah, that sounds like a lot. I guess I'm only like eight hours in. I've, I've, I think I'm on the fifth temple. You said you had one sage left to go. No, I have one sage at all. Oh, at all? Yeah. Oh, you're, you, you, got, you got a ways to go. Yeah. I was going to say, I had one sage left to go last night, and I wrapped it up in about two hours. The, but the thing that, I, that really kind of didn't mesh well with me was, I'm not going to spoil the ending, because you, know, you kind of got to watch la, the ending. La, la, la. I'm not going to spoil I'm the ending. I'm just being dramatic. <laughs> but he's going to pause, <laughs> and then I'm going to spoil <laughs> the ending. <laughs> but when, when, I, when, I saw, when I got to the end, and I kind of finished like the last boss fight, which, by the way, I don't know what Jeff was struggling with, because that wasn't... That just sucks. <laughs> but, but, just kidding, Jeff. Just be like, but how like, many more times can we throw him under the bus? <laughs> but like, I got through it. And as I long was, as his finger doesn't caught under the tire, I think he'll oh, be okay. Oh, too soon, man. Too soon. <laughs> but, but but once I got to the end, I was just like, wait, that's it? Because th- this is the way that that the link to the past ends. You get to the epic battle with Ganon, and they throw everything at you to the point where you're like okay you have to find the hidden sword upgrade you have to upgrade your bow and then once you get in there it's still not a guarantee that you're going to beat him because he throws everything at you the floor starts falling apart the torches start going out so you're suddenly in the dark so to the point that when you beat ganon you feel like you earned that shit you feel like you legitimately beat that game and by comparison link between worlds that ending is just very straightforward and i was because it wasn't challenging or because the ending wasn't very like it it was nothing felt resolved it was oh yeah everything gets resolved that's fine and i actually really like that ending in that sense but as far as like a challenge goes it really kind of left me a little disappointed have you ever thought that the problems maybe you maybe you're too good at it no because if you're gonna compare yourself to link to the (laughs) past if you're gonna call yourself a sequel (laughs) to link to the past then you know give me you know, you got to live up to it. And that means all the way up to the end. And in that sense, the ending kind of disappointed me. How much of a Zelda fan would you count yourself? Uh, mm, Pretty, I would, I would not. Call, I, he's I wearing a Zelda t-shirt, t-shirt right now. <laughs> I, I know, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't classify myself as too hardcore because I didn't play Phantom Hourglass. I didn't play Spirit Tracks. Spirit, Poser, Tracks, is, Spirit Tracks is fun, actually. It's quite good. One I, of the, I, it's one of the few I have played. Trains I, don't belong in the Zelda universe. Yeah, I, and only I, John Candy movies. I missed out on the last few Zeldas, so I, I, but I would call myself a pretty good Zelda fan. Here's here's where I wanted. Here's why I wanted to clarify that. I feel like Zelda games enjoy a really nice sweet spot with their fans, in that their fans are oftentimes critical of the games, but despite that that critical nature, they just love their zelda games if you are a zelda fan you probably have one or two you don't like you probably have one or two that you have you know nits to pick with but on the whole that that community of folks who love zelda games even when they are upset with a zelda game still you still just get a sense of how much they love the games and i think that comes from a couple of core design elements i think one of them is that you know you know when you go into playing a zelda game that there's going to be this delicious progression throughout the game of acquiring skills, abilities, and then those directly translating to your exploration capabilities. You know, you'll find something, they'll be able to go someplace new, now be able to defeat some sort of new monster, there'll be a boss that pulls it all together, and then you go on and move into the next phase. And you have that sort of symbiotic relationship between the development of Link and the development of your exploration in the game. And that's just such a rewarding 
chain to be in. You know, it's interesting because that's the thing that this one throws away. Really, is you're able to get any item immediately if you have in that in that sense the, the dungeons for it. The dungeon design is, has been has been kind of overhauled that's a little bit. Interesting to me because that's always been to me the signature element of Zelda games. But, yeah, the items are completely different. I mean. You, you go ahead. But, but well, would you say that the, that the quality of the dungeons have been compromised? I don't think it has. No, I think that the quality of the dungeons, they're different. They're, they're much more uh, it vertical. Does, it, they're vertical. Yeah. There's puzzles. There's not a lot, of, lot to them. I think there's a lot of puzzles to them, and then there's a lot of figuring things out to them. And as you climb up, there's less treasure chests, so there's less reward in that, in that sense. And if you do find one, it's probably going to be rupees, which is great because you have a lot to buy. You, you rely a lot more on rupees in but this the, game. The, they're not as decorated. I mean, right. no, but you, you don't. But you, you don't. You don't rely on the gadget of the dungeon. You don't rely on. Oh, this dungeon has this item, right. and you're going to be using this item throughout the whole thing. There's some it doesn't of rely, that. There's some of it. But you're able to get go get, especially when you unlock fast travel, right? You're, which, which, you're by the way, able the fact to go get it. The fact that you unlock fast travel early in the game is great. Absolutely love that. So, how much of this then would you say makes this a fantastic Zelda for someone who hasn't been a big Zelda fan to come in and play? I think because it's very straightforward. They're, they're, the learning curve is very low. I mean, if you've just done any any adventure game, it's really easy to just pick up and learn. Yeah, I think I think there's the basic kind of storytelling elements are there. You you have this kind of this unknown hero who gets called to save you know the princess or whatever, and then so, so yeah, so you have that element that where where people can pick up and learn, and, and then like like Ozzy was saying, the gameplay is easy to learn, and because you can rent any of the weapons at any time, mm-hmm. you can really practice using them, and you can figure out when you should use them, and then the game just goes ahead and tells you when it's time to use certain weapons like there's not a whole lot i mean there's a lot of discovery for yourself but there are moments where like here's a picture of an arrow because now you need to use an arrow and and now you're talking about like exploration like the fact that you don't have to take the dungeons in a certain order like you can take them in any order you want you could start at the one in death mountain if you want and you know you don't have to constrict yourself to any certain but could you be successful starting there yeah if you have the right items yes interesting and, so and how do they work the balance then skills. Because the enemies aren't aren't any harder. I mean, I mean, it's the puzzles will be different. You'll need different items, and then the bosses might be. Right. No, no, I mean, the bosses are basically the bosses, on a the nine bosses hit aren't that thing. Bad. You kind of hit them first. You usually nine hits. I, I was disappointed with some of the bosses that they recycled from Link to the Past, but that kind of yeah, makes sense. Well, I mean, and same with. I feel like there's always kind of like a Dodongo looking guy, and there's always right. look like a a tentacle the, thing. There's and, always a Moldorm. And there was a spider of some sort. Yeah. I think the way it does it, and having not finished the game. But I think it's uh, level design or world design. I know it's the same map as Link to the Past or very similar map to Link to the Past. But there's it feels like a natural progression. But then it feels fun knowing that you can go to another dungeon. See, I'm in Nicole's case as well. I haven't played Link to the Past. Oh, I know. Blaspheme away. No, I just I know you've I mean, you're older than Nicole. <laughs> I'm older than Nicole. Like Link yep. to the Past was. I'm also older than an Nicole. important part of gaming. For a lot of us. I played it, but I haven't finished it. Okay. I mean, I played it. It was, it was in an era when, you know, like, we were getting machines from Blockbuster on the weekend. Right. <laughs> seriously, yeah. renting and renting games, and we played, you know, but you never finished it. And How far in did you get? Um, which time? Uh, because a lot of times you would rent the game the and then start back over. I have no idea, because to me, it was a piecemeal experience. Right. It was always, like, renting it. And then maybe there was a save on there where someone had, like, 15 hearts. You're like, oh, let's go check out this part. <laughs> okay, Johnny, how'd you do? <laughs> I'd recommend... Saving money, getting an XL before you get Zelda. You, you gotta, you gotta appreciate the 3D too. 
I think playing it on a on a small thing is hurdy, hand hurdy. Having the inventory right there and the map right there, it's just convenient. It really it's is. Nice. Just being able to set anything to the two buttons and then just kind of working the touchscreen is pretty easy. Is this the best Zelda? Okay, someone that's never played Zelda, anyone can answer. Is this the game to say, you've never played Zelda? This is it. This is your entry into the world. I mean, I would still say Ocarina of Time. I mean, why not start with the best? Entry to the world for me is still linked to the past because that way you'll get you'll get some of the cool little throwbacks in this but game. Don't you think that if they start with a game that doesn't look modern, they might be turned off by it if yeah, they're new, not, new to games? It's not completely primitive. I mean, I, I, like I still argue a lot of a lot of those mechanics still hold up. up. Yeah, I think it looks great. Yeah, Water Temple. You're going to send someone to the Water Temple? It's not that hard. There's three levels you control water. You play, you know, Zelda's Lullaby. You know, I mean, it's... You have a blue tunic. You can breathe. Navigating the iron boots is a pain in the ass. It's fine. I'd recommend Link to the Past if they're an older gamer and enjoy retro gaming. You never recommend it. No, I would recommend Link to the Past for everybody. If you're an older and you really enjoy retro gaming, I would say play the original as your first into Zelda. But this... Is high up there in terms of like you've never played a Zelda play this. I would I would not recommend Skyward Sword. Oh never! I just pass. Maybe Wind Waker, it, but maybe Wind Waker HD. Yeah, I was going to say where they streamlined the sailing. Yeah. It's it's hard to rec- as an entry point. It's hard to recommend a lot of the 3D Zeldas because the two the 2D Zeldas just feel a lot more intuitive. Well, I think this one does a lot of hand holding, and you have those like little goggles you can put on. So if you need, and that's 3DS yeah, games have done do this I, often. I didn't find that really really helpful at all. But, like I use them sometimes, but the tips they gave you are just kind of uh, well. I could have figured that out myself. Well, then why'd you use the goggles, man? <laughs> I I was stuck. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think that kind of hand holdiness might be good for a new gamer. And I, if you have a 3DS, I say buy Zelda, buy it twice. And I think. That's what sort of wraps this up in a package comes Would down to this. Bow. Zelda Zelda is a fantastically strong franchise, and this is another great entry in that franchise. Yeah. And as much as you love Tearaway, it's just damn near impossible for it to stand toe to toe and somehow, you know, win an argument over, well, which one should you buy? So, you know, I think that if you're a fan of either of them, you have to sort of just uh, accept that you've got great games and they're fantastic and they're very different. And it's not about who's better or which one's better in this case. It's they're just very different and in very different places. Zelda is for someone who loves Zelda, you know, adores every element that's been in Zelda and, and wants to come in and play the sequel to a game that was a big part of their, you know, beginning gaming. No, totally. I, I think... Like if you're sitting there on like your birthday or Hanukkah or Christmas morning or whatever, and you got a game and you didn't know what it was and you opened it and it was Tearaway, I don't think you'd be as excited as if you opened it and it was Zelda because it, you you know it's history. You're like this is Zelda and Tearaway is a great game, but you'd be like, oh yeah, I've heard great things about it, uh, but it's By this way, weird new IP. But then it's great. Maybe then you in play seven it. years, about there's that, more. There will be. I so wish I had kids. Well, I have a daughter, and feel free to buy her video games. I, I will. I <laughs> she's, so wish she's I had one, kids to do and this she with. really wants an Xbox One, and she wants Rise. And, <laughs> wow! Uh, what it's an oddly specific list. I'm surprised yeah. that she wants Rise. Huh. Not that she's a baby that wants Rise. She's pretty. Advanced. She wants Rise. Yeah, I might need to talk to CPC. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Zelda's fun. 
you guys. I want to hear about. I don't necessarily want to leave the people, but I I really want to hear about GT6. You really want to hear about GT6, especially because yes. last week's Forza yeah. stuff was so great. It's like car noise. All right, so here's what we'll do: is we'll talk about the bad stuff first, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll talk about GT6. Because the first thing we have to talk about is the news that's come out about microtransactions. Woo! So, Everyone loves microtransactions. <laughs> so last week we I talked to the l- micro machines guy coming out and being like, "You want to play a microtransaction?" <laughs> <laughs> which, which I think it's kind of telling that. The talk this week has been more about the microtransactions and not so much that, hey, does anyone even realize that Grand Theft Auto, I mean, Grand Theft Auto, that Grand Turismo is coming out this week? I what? Think, well, Grand yeah, it's out tomorrow. Fans or it's, it's out, out tomorrow. We're, we're recording on Thursday. It's out on it Friday. It is out. Grand Turismo 6 is yeah, see, out Nicole didn't even know about it. I didn't even know. Yeah, see, exactly. It's out tomorrow? Yeah. I, it's it's out now. You're listening to this. It's out. It's not ba- Tuesday. Bad stuff. Micro- microtransactions. It's not a Tuesday. And I think the thing that's telling about that is that for whatever reason, Sony elected to not market this game in North America. I can't. I don't know what they've done in Europe or Japan, but they just they've not marketed it here at all. I think that they've just sort of said it's Gran Turismo. We have a built-in fan base. The built-in fan base is going to get the game, and maybe they'll tell friends. Maybe they won't. But we're selling PlayStation Fours and we're moving. Did on. they not want to split the Need for Speed audience? Well. No. It's not the Need for Speed audience. Their market is just on top being spent level. On PS4. It's cars, right? I, it's, it's, a, I it's a different kind of racing, and you'll you'll yeah, get you'll I get garnered you'll get garnered breaking down the I, semantics. Okay, I, I suspect that if anything, they felt that Microsoft's home territory being North America and specifically the United States, and them pushing Forza Five out there as a next gen title, put Sony at a disadvantage selling Gran Turismo 6, even as Gran Turismo 6 on the PlayStation 3 and not on the PlayStation 4 and just begged people to play this whole comparison game of, well, why aren't you on PlayStation 4 and does it look as good? Well, no, blah, blah, blah. So it's which, not coming on the PS4? by the way, it looks amazing, but that's a whole other subject. We'll talk about that in a minute. Well, yeah, and I think they had, Sony had some of their marketing decided when they still thought Drive Club was going to make launch because it's in their perfect yeah, day video. It's exactly. in their expect greatness video. It doesn't have its own ad. And I don't think there was time. I agree. North America, they didn't push this game at all. So, and they should. But let's talk about the microtransaction thing. So last week we talked about Forza 5s. Uh, Forza 5 has a dual currency system in it, much like a, uh, a free-to-play game does where you've got credits and then you've got the coin system that you can also buy a game. I haven't played it. What, what do they call it in that game? One of them's... One of them's money and one of them's... Anyway, you can buy separate <laughs> credits, then you convert the credit. You can buy cars with either the credits or the money in the game. Gran Turismo just has a credit system. You can buy the credits, though, as well from the PlayStation Store in increments of 1 million, 5 million, and uh, 10 million, I think. Do you have that pulled uh, up? Like I, I, I will have it uh, pulled up in a second. Million. Yeah. And, and a couple of different things here. Number one... I still am not a fan of being able to buy currency in $60 games. And I, I think that that's still a bummer. My complaint with Forza was how it impacted the progression systems and how many changes it appeared on the surface of things. And I haven't played the game, so that's why I'm saying appeared that they had made adaptations to adjust to that, like not awarding reward cars. Did you like, see that need for speed tweet? Like from official Need for Speed account, it was like, want to unlock cars as you progress through the campaign? Play Need for Speed for Rivals. And I was like, that's a sick burn, Need for Speed. Yeah. Pretty good. All right, if I can just jump in. Uh, it's $10 for 1 million credits, $20 for 2.5 million credits, and 7.5 million credits for 50 bucks. And so buy the game twice, basically. Pretty much. By the way, if you buy any of them, I'm here to tell you, it's a ripoff. It is okay. absolutely yeah. a ripoff. Yeah, so they didn't say. slow down the GT grind 
to encourage yeah, yeah. I, I, I was going to say, like, they, I'm reserving judgment on this until I see exactly what the grind is. Because if the grind's, you know, a decent rate, then... I've been playing the game for several hours, and, and we're going to do the review-like stuff here in a minute. And we'll talk more about it next week, too, because the online hasn't been opened, and the seasonal events haven't been opened, because all that's coming out in a, in a day one patch. But the base thing here is that a million credits for 10 bucks in Gran Turismo is not a good deal. It's just not a good deal. Earning a million credits is really not it's not the end of the world, especially not once you get into higher level events. Uh, It is a straight play of, I don't have the time, so I'm going to go spend some money. So backing up, I think maybe you started this and I probably interrupted you. Uh, Microtransactions in Gran Turismo 6 are just speeding up progress. You you still get cars. They for are nothing races. more than a lazy person's. I want. I just want more money. So like and I'm the not burnout paradise. Play. It's the same model that you, yes. What's well, like the model that microtransactions are? Well, no, because Forza Fives is very different. Forza well, Fives, you don't it's get different. Okay, very different. Different. They, a, they <laughs> change the structure of prior Forzas where you're not unlocking cars for completing events, and you don't have all of the cars available in free play mode. Yep, that's. To me, so, very. But I, this game still has this game. So, Gran Turismo Six still has an arcade mode. The arcade mode has all the tracks and all the cars from the beginning. No big deal. You can play with any of them. And the you progression want to. does like the getting your license. Progression. Doesn't seem it, slow. Actually, one of the things that I want to talk about is how much how much they've improved the progression system. I mean, the progression system in Gran Turismo. If anything, you know, Gran Turismo Six is as has been the case with most of the second Gran Turismos on platforms. So you had Gran Turismo One and then Two, yep. and then you had Three and then Four. And now you got Five and then Six. And in all these cases, the second one really is like the refined good one. Same game, no surprise. This is the refined good one where they've gone and fixed and improved upon a number of things that when you got Gran Turismo Five, you're like, what the hell? So I'm not going to defend microtransactions in the game. Um, I'm not defending them at all. I'm pissed but, about it. I'm not pissed about them, but I just think it's what I'm upset about at anything. Is it $10 for a million credits in this game based on their economy is a colossal ripoff. Because I mean, it's easy to earn a million or so what you can earn, buy with a million. No, because silly. it's so easy to earn a million. Like earning a million credits well, is not better a, thing. It's than a the colossal other way. ripoff. That's better than the other way, I think, than having it be super hard to earn a million so they get you to spend money. I guess. The other complaint is that they have cars that are and and they're supposed to change this i haven't seen so since we're recording on thursday i haven't seen the day one patch and they weren't done balancing this out yet but they have cars that are very expensive some of the ones that have been shown on forums are 20 million credits and these ones that are 20 million credits are it's interesting the way gran turismo approaches it as opposed to the way forza approaches it forza approaches it as the cars that are exclusive quote unquote that right. are really hard to get to are just the really top end expensive cars right the cars in gran turismo that are those 20 million dollar cars are i hate to use the word because it sounds because it's a judgment call but in my judgment as a car enthusiast are actually exclusive cars they are cars like the one-off like the jaguar that's been referenced yeah is a one-off prototype that was actually wrecked and then reconstructed and put in a museum so it's not like a hard to find car that someone could go buy it's an impossible to have car it's a car that was developed for racing tech that was wrecked and then kept as a prototype and, and also not the fastest car in the game and not the no as a matter of fact if you go to those the cars that are the cars that in in forza are so expensive like right. for instance the one everyone will point to will be the veyron 
The Veyron in the Gran Turismo economy is two and a half million as of the version 1.0. I don't know what it is in the final patch. Two and a half million is not going to be out of line to go get. It's 20 bucks by comparison. I just wonder if... But what, it's, but what I'm saying is, yeah, if you went in and bought it, it would be 20 bucks. But if you spent 20 what, bucks to go get the Veyron... Yeah, in like, fourth, that's a lot no more. It just makes no sense anyway because you could earn the two and a half million pretty freaking easily. That's why I don't think that people would be arguing... I don't think microtransactions in Gran Turismo 6 would be a topic of discussion had it not come out after Forza 5. People are oh, so still, at still, arm. It would still be a topic. It just wouldn't be quite so fiery. Okay, yes. But I it's agree. still That's a ripoff. A I mean, it's, still telling some, t- it's still taking advantage of people because the bad news is that there are people out there who are going to look at but, it and spend ton bucks because for them, they have the disposable income and they don't have the time and they're going to make that trade. I'm okay with that You know option. what bugs yeah. me about that is it perpetuates them doing this shit. Sure, it's, they'll it's never very stop true. doing that because they're just going to keep making money Un- until until it's until it fails. They're going to keep doing it exactly, but, but it, it can't fail because if you send spend ten dollars, the thing it's, is, it's a oh, winner. If it, if it's a good progression system, then it's easier to ignore. Like I right. I didn't make any heads. I guess, but did you hear what what Nicole said is really important? Mm-hmm. Is that you can't beat it because it's always winner because every dollar because it costs them Nothing. every dollar spent there is just pure profit. It's just yeah. pure profit right on top of the game. And it, it that's what it bugs me about it, especially when it's such a poor exchange like I this. just don't want it to be too invasive and I haven't played GT six. Like I would hate you finish a race and it's like So that's the other thing is there's no there's no there's no multipliers, there's no prompting for you. there's no there's no none of that. See, I, I'm in the world we live in, I'm okay with that. You don't finish a race and it says, Hey Christian, for <laughs> for a dollar ninety nine you could make double the amount of experience you just made on this. Would you like to do that? Or when you're shopping for a car, you don't have enough, but hey, Head over to the Sony Entertainment Network and it's buy not, some points. It's not, it's not plastering that in your face all the time. So well, I'm yes. excited to hear the good stuff then. All right. So, all right. So we'll take a pause, uh, and we'll have some Christmas music because it's Christmas season and the holidays. And I'm going to do holiday music for the rest of this year. So love it. I want you all to be enthusiastic because I love Christmas time. Ooh. I love Christmas time. I love, I love Christmas villages and I love Christmas music. I didn't bring my Santa hat. The today. Christmas tree and Rockefeller Center. And I like presents. I'm a big dorky I, romantic. Suck it, Jeff Kanata. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're we'll probably right at the Rockefeller Center right now. the waitresses and micah's totally 80s dancing in the booth to it you should have played more bro you could have listened you could have been jamming out for forever to that i love the <laughs> christmas music all right so spicer gran turismo 6 yeah tell me all 1200 the 1200 cars yeah, it's like the prius mountain race from gran turismo 5 <laughs> like so at some point i get it it's a lot of cars so refinements Number one, right off the bat, one of the things that jumped out at me immediately was that they made it living with the game a lot easier. The menu, did you play five? Yes. Okay. Men- Pre-launch five, five for a couple patches, not 
good patch that came not like, two final years five later, like whatever okay. it is yeah so suffice it to say that they still were never able to really conquer the menu system that they had created for the game they have conquered the menu system for the game as a matter of fact it takes a number of cues from the way they approach the playstation 4 menu system in that it is just a timeline left to right with different with different elements underneath each item that you click on to go to whatever you want to go to you want to go to arcade mode you go to arcade mode on the timeline. You want to go to your garage, you go to the garage on your timeline. You want to go to career, your career is all lined up with all the classes right underneath oh, there. That's you nice. just go, you just go IA, IB, IB, you know, I'm sorry, novice IB novice B A I B I A R. So that's <laughs> You know, and, and for those you don't know, it's novice and then national B class, then you escalate to national Obviously. A, then international B, then international A, and then racing. And the progression of the game, I would almost say for the first time ever in a Gran Turismo, feels really smooth. You actually feel like you're on a career. It's no longer a, oh, here's some races. Here's a class. Here's some races. Go race them. And when you're done, then you can take a test and move on and there'll be some stuff. You've, you, They're lined up for you. And, and, and granted, it's just simple interface things. But each class of racing has a set progression. You, you, could, you don't have to follow it. But they're there lined up for you. So it's just natural that you would follow them. And and it's a very simple system now because you're just accumulating stars. And so every one of these, you know, start off with like the Sunday Cup. Well, there's a certain number of stars that you get for it. And as you, and then the Clubman Cup. And once you've accumulated enough stars, you can take the license test and graduate to the next group. And it's that simple. It's it's a lovely, little, elegant, simple system to work in. And it it keeps you as a player especially through the first six or seven hours on a smooth track that really gets you into gran turismo better than any gran turismo has gotten me into gran turismo before the trade-off for that Uh, uh, is that you have to understand that getting into gran turismo you're going to be spending hours and hours driving a focus rs or you know a fit Right. It's not or, need for speed rivals within your first twenty minutes you've unlocked the new Corvette and you're just going hundred and fifty through traffic. Not cameras. even in the first five, six hours. Yeah. And which is and they have arcades, so it's not locked off. It's not that you can't get to it, but in the, the career it, mode. And and you know what? I've come to actually really appreciate this. Because what they're doing, as I think about like a Jeff Kanata wanting to play a game like this, is so smart. Because what they're doing is they're saying, you know what, learn how to fucking drive. Sure. And that's, and it's really, and, it, and, and actually, they're not even saying that. They're saying, we're going to make sure <laughs> that you have some concept how to drive and get around a track at one set of speeds. And then we're going to, and, and the thing that's really cool is if you, if you follow the progression the way it's laid out, you get that curve. And then when you go to the next level, right. you feel like, oh, shit, now it's a little harder. But then they ramp it up and they ramp it up and ramp it up and ramp it up. And then you get to, you know, then you get to, uh, you know, like, national a and you're like oh well now we're getting more serious that's what i love i think you did a great job uh and it's a shame that hopefully maybe jason can come on and talk about this too because someone that enjoys driving i think you did a really great job talking about it last week with forza and talking about how the progression in gran turismo typically works is that yeah it's your you know limited courses even though there are a lot of tracks um but it's great because as you unlock faster cars while you know the track the way you drive the track is different so while it's the same, like the way you come into a curve or where you want to hit and where you want to apex is, is different based on the car. So it's like you know it, and it's almost, I feel like, at least through GT5, you get this, or any GT game, you get this false sense of comfort 
You're like, oh, I know. I know what I'm doing. Oh, crap. I definitely was too hot into this turn. And I think that's what makes it fun is that you're progressing, but it's not stagnant. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like even within the same tracks as as you change cars, uh, it's like a new challenge, but you know the tools. You know what you're supposed to do. Now you need to implement it. and, And here's another reason you do, because one of the things the game does is when you start off, it's doing uh it's doing an install in the background but it starts you off on silverstone and you know all these all driving games do this now where instead of going to menus or whatever it's <laughs> like you just drop in and you get to drive something right yeah and a lot of games they give you something crazy to drive right here they give you a reno <laughs> and and it, it's not about like we're gonna give you this ferrari because why would you hand the keys to a 500 horsepower ferrari to someone to try and drive around a grand prix track who doesn't know how to do it what you do is give them a car that they wouldn't kill themselves in and then say here's some coaching and that's exactly what it does and it's genius because I, the the speed that this car can go if you're holding the, the accelerator down pretty good happens to work out just correctly and they've really taken some time so that as you're proceeding around the track while it's installing the game it's giving you prompts about what you should be doing in that sort of oh. situation so you're on a you're on a high speed straight and you're coming down to you know a a hard turn and it's it's starting to do things like way in advance. It's like you're now at a very high rate of speed. At high rates of speed, cars develop, you know, a, a, they develop some push and some instability. So when you come up to brake on this upcoming corner, don't start to turn the wheel <laughs> while you're braking right. because that will put you in a skid. It's simple stuff, right? But well, they're they're simple actually simple stuff if you know what you're doing. They're but, starting to give the instructions. Yeah, they're starting to do all that things. And the entire time that you're doing that first lap in this Renault, instead of being upset because I'm not driving a Ferrari and skidding off the track into the kitty litter and making a mess, you're getting fed all of this information on how to play. So that when you're then dropped into the game, you started. You've already. You're. It's already saying, "Hey, here's how to drive. Here's how to drive quickly." Now. I don't know how much people are going to like having their hands held this much. It then basically forces you to go buy a Honda Fit. And you can go rate, you can campaign this Honda Fit throughout the entire novice, throughout the entire novice land without any problem. In fact, novice is incredibly easy to defeat. I mean, it's just, it's really not that hard to defeat. So can I ask you a totally unrelated question? How much will this game make me wish it was on PlayStation 4 or how much will this game make me feel sad when I come home from my friend's house who has Forza 5 on Xbox One and I'm sitting here playing this game? Does well, it? How gorgeous is it? How ugly questions. is it? Like, okay. like, like how does it compare visually? I got so visually, I think it looks fantastic. I, I am really super impressed. So all the cars this time are are top caliber cars. There's no more of the premium car thing from right. Gran Turismo 5. If you weren't around for Gran Turismo 5, they, they, it's taken them an entire generation, but finally, all of the cars in Gran Turismo 6 are full poly count cars on the outside. I was going to say, so not... Not all of them have furnished cockpits. Okay. And I drive in cockpit view, and, and I think that their compromise is acceptable, although it's not great. The compromise is that when you're sitting in cockpit view in a car that is not had an interior done the correct outline of what that cockpit would look like in other words where the a pillar is and how the dash sits is there but it's just a black shadow and then a generic you know just a generic speedometer and rev meter you know and tack and all that kind of stuff sits down in the bottom and your tires and all that kind of stuff so you still get the right perspective okay and you still get the right sense of geometry of the car but it's just a black shadow but it doesn't yeah uh, okay okay which uh, is a bummer i don't know if i like that but do you do you drive out a cockpit yeah 
Yeah, I guess so. that's better than having a nicely detailed generic cockpit that's not accurately accurately representing where your A pillar is and where your dash is. But I feel like looking at that black shadow, I would just be thinking, ah. <laughs> I did. Yeah. I agree. If you do think you, you can't get away from it. I mean, you're looking at a black shadow and you're like, damn, you know, that sucks. But at the same time, the fact that it's correct geometry and gives you an idea of the you know, the aspect of how the car is sitting in the corner, then that that does actually help quite it a lot. It sucks, but if it was a compromise that needed to be made, it's one I'm okay with. But don't get me wrong, that sucks. It does. Okay. Yeah, it, it, yeah. no disagreement. Now, then when you get to see the replay and you don't have to have that and all the cars are now in top, you know, in top rendered form. By the way, I still, even on PlayStation 3, nobody touches Polyphony's ability to make video replays of racing games look amazing. I, I still think that their video replays look cooler than Forza's. So flat out, graphically, only graphically, and this takes into account everything, tracks, environment, weather, cars, is this... They beat each other on different places. Okay, so where and where? One of the things that's really amazing that Gran Turismo does is dusk racing. Okay. And so this is at dusk time of day. So I, you know, when the, you're first exposed to it, and one of the things that's really cool is they, over the course of the single-player campaign, expose you to all of these things that they're able to do, like the racing in dusk, like racing in the rain, if you really want to race in the rain. Well, by the way, racing in the rain sucks. <laughs> Don't do I it. Still say Unless it you sucks. already paid for a track weekend and they're going to have it anyway and you can't get a refund. Racing in, racing in dusk. You're, you're on Silverstone. You're on your, you're on your outbound, which is headed into the east, and you, you can see, you know, your headlights are on. You can see the headlights playing against the against the tarmac. You're you're running pretty hot. And then you get out there eventually and you get to where you're turned around and coming back into the sun. And as you turn and come around into the sun and you're facing right into this giant setting sun, it is so impressive how well they finally gotten come to grips with how to do HDR lighting at first. Remember when we first were getting HDR lights and it was just like, we're just going to flood the screen. You looked at the sun. Oh, my God, you can't see anything. Lens flare. Yeah. And now, now they've really gotten very um, adept at using it to replicate what you see through your eyes. So now, as you're looking up into that sun, there is a hot spot right there, sure. but then it fades into your peripheral vision, and it gives you, you know, like where you can still, right down the line, right when you're looking right in the sun, yeah, it's really challenging. But as you're out to the edges, you get that sort of fade from monochrome back into full color world. Mm-hmm. Really, really cool effect. The and And again, the tracks of which... I think there are 73 alignments of 30 some odd courses it's ridiculous the number of tracks in the game are just unbelievably painstakingly created as far as what you see when you're driving mm-hmm. i find it very hard to make big differentiations between this gen and what's going to be next gen it's not if it's not need for speed because need for speed there's tons of other stuff going on right and in forza absolutely do the furnishings around the track look better of course they do are you looking out of that stuff i'm really looking i'm looking down my track line i'm looking a corner ahead i'm looking two corners ahead i'm planning out where i want the car to be and in those regards the detail of the tracks the elevation changes that they get just so right are fantastic. I will say that I have encountered some frame rate issues. Oh not, no. Not game killing, but but the sort of frame rate issues of that you that you know all about where it seems like it's 60. Yeah. And then it doesn't it doesn't skip, but you can tell that it just dropped to like 30 or 40. And you miss a you miss a corner. No, I haven't missed anything. Okay. It's just I feel like that's just, just death to a racing game. I haven't no because the thing is it's not really losing smoothness so much as it just loses some it's like it just looks a little bit wonky. It's an eerie sense of the sense of speed changing, 
when you know that it didn't change. You know, I mean, looking at your pedometer, you're like, I'm going 130, and I'm still going yeah. 130, but that was weird. Okay. Mm. Okay. I, it, that seems weird to me, what it you're saying. I, I mean, I'll take your word for it, but I feel like losing frame rate in the middle of a line in a race. When you're trying to make a precise turn. It, yeah, it is awful. Well, the physics model in the game is butter. How are, how's AI? I feel like Forza, wait, wait, it's, so, it's, so it's not going to compare to Forza AI, right? Gran Turismo, as, as the subtitle has always been, is the driving simulation. Right. It is not a racing simulation. The other cars, are, I feel like, are just there for candy they, to look at, populate while you drive. I'll tell you what I'm writing in my review. So you'll read the same thing in my review is Gran Turismo is, is something like playing golf. And it's like that in that you're challenging yourself more than you really are challenging the other racers on the track. And the other racers on the track are merely setting the landmarks or the milestones against which you need to compete. Okay. So in any given race, you know, there's a number of cars laid out in front of you. And those cars represent the scores that you need to beat in order to get ahead of that position on the scorecard. You know, so right. if you're looking at the, if you're playing golf and as you go through different rounds of, of a tournament, you know, there's, you know, there's these guys above you and then they're shooting whatever they're shooting and you got to shoot better than them to move ahead of them. Same thing with Gran Turismo. There's those cars laid out in front of you and, and the, the, the flaws that just amazing that they're still there, right? There that, are a lot of them. Like, at least why, there were. why do we still have a rolling start of of a number of cars where you're at the very back of the field and the cars in the field are not competitive with one another. In other words, the reason they're like mile points is because the cars that are at the back of the field are going to hold you up because they are never going to compete (laughs) with the first car, the AI cars. The AI cars are never really going to compete with one another more than for a position or two. The guy in the AI car that's starting seventh in front of you and eighth is never going to challenge for first. They're never going to be fast enough. They're never going to get up to that front spot. Now, within the race, when you're going to go around them, they've definitely worked to improve that they're not just sitting on a line. Okay. I find that the of all the times, they're more respectful than they've ever been of you establishing position. So, you know, they, they obviously have learned some race rules of, hey, if I come up a side, in other words, basically the biggest one is if I get aside someone, they're going to yield to me. They're going to let me through. They still, that, w- that was not the case. They would, in GT5, original, I don't know if they patched it, but I mean, they would just come into your line and you'd be screwed. Yeah, you're all right now. Although they will still hit you from behind. Okay. Which mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Yeah. Rude. Especially, yeah. It's, it's, and it's just bad for the for the way the game is. Yeah. And, it's, and it's uber frustrating that, especially early on, the races are two lap races with you starting from the back. And really what you're trying to do is negotiate your way through these blockers yeah to get ahead of the final car to race to the end yeah now will that golf mentality be applied to multiplayer just like new your your friends online will be just new milestones to hit no because when you get online then the whole thing changes and you know they haven't turned on online yet but one of their big promises was that they listened to the community and introduced a bunch of things there's gonna be open lobby racing there's going to be car clubs there's going to be a number of things. This is one of the reasons that you're not reading a review from me because I can't review the game yet because it as as it was provided to us as just a single player game, it's not complete. And they're also opening seasonal events. And, you know, there's just so much of the game that was reliant on this day one patch that I don't think that it's it's not it has not been a in a reviewable state. Sure. Until it's launched. And even still, it's going to take a little time next week to put a final number well, on this. And thing. GT5 had issues 
with online play at launch. It yeah. was not. And look, they're probably going to have online issues here. Which do you prefer historically, Forza or Gran Turismo? Because I feel like you're singing a lot of praises. Or Mario Kart. Uh, or, or Mario Kart. <laughs> or F-Zero, if Andrew were here. I preferred... Because I know you talked about you kind of maybe waffled. Gran Turismo 2. Okay. And then Forza 3. <laughs> okay. And then I have been locked in a horrible indecisiveness between Forza 4 and GT5. But okay. I think ultimately, overall for the package gt4 uh forza though forza's handling model while i loved i loved the way i loved the way the tires felt against the tarmac in in forza 4 i didn't love the complete package for the handling model and i think that and i haven't played five enough to be able to comment on it so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do a comparison to five because i just can't historically yeah but what was your first impression of the of the triggers the force feedback that was great I think the I think the force feedback in the triggers in six in Forza Five is fantastic. Mm-hmm. What I think is fantastic about Gran Turismo Six, which is what I have played a shit ton of now, is how well it communicates the sort of feel of play, of driving a car. And I think that the key about these games to me is that realism is overrated. Totally. And people are going to get pissy about that. I'm getting pissy thinking about that. That's what these games are, though. No, they're not. Or conveying the feeling of realism. Yeah, realistically, that's, you're never going to be racing it, these cars. It, that's what it is. It, it's got to convey a feeling of realism while also providing escapist entertainment. You want to feel like you're driving these cars, and you want to feel like they're responding to you in the ways that, in that, and once you become, an, once you become someone who knows a little bit about driving, you want to feel like the cars are responding to the inputs that you're providing because they're doing the things they're supposed to be doing. Right. And. GT6's new handling model gets that as well, if not better, than any I've ever played. You get a great sense of cars dipping forward as you as you tap on the brakes and being able to use that leverage to get yourself to bite into corners. Right. You get a fantastic sense of the amount of grip that you have on the back end. You, you start off, you're going to be playing front engine, front wheel drive cars, and you're going to really get spoiled. Because I, I, I did this, and I played up until night before last you know, all racing these front engine, front wheel drive cars, which is ripping through stuff. And, you know, I got accustomed to that power understeer and I got accustomed to that, like, you know, get it down and slow down a little bit and then rip it back out, you know, pull, yep. pull yourself out of any corner. And then I went and cause I had to do, eventually I was gonna have to do a front engine rear wheel drive challenge. And I went and bought a 97 RZ Supra. And I was like, Oh, like the thing bitch slapped me. I mean, <laughs> it just straight up bitch slapped me the first few times I tried to drive it because yeah. I had forgotten. Oh, that's right. And and what was cool was how differently they felt and how completely authentic it felt. Now, were they authentic? I don't know. I mean, I can't sit here and tell you that they were authentic, but I can tell you that what this driving model that they have put into this game feels like now is really, 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 really bang on. And when you get to cars above the RZ, where you start to get into cars that have some, you know, ground effects. So I haven't gotten to race cars yet. Okay. But when you start to get into, you know, even higher end cars, it'll start pushing up like 160, 180 and have a little bit of active arrow on them. Yeah. Even better feel. So I don't say this as an attack to you because I'm certainly guilty of it with games that I enjoy, like God of War. I love those games, but they have poor design decisions where it's like an invisible wall and you can't fall off a ledge, mm-hmm. but I love those games. Some of this stuff, I think people might say, you sound like a Gran Turismo apologist, where you're, like, you're saying there are problems, but you're willing to look past it because it's Gran Turismo. That's what it is. And so I guess 
you know, if that is the case, I'm, I'm trying to have you, I guess maybe you're trying to get me to do with Tearaway. It's like, it's great. Are, is this game enough to, in, to keep the PS3 plugged in? Yeah. To not want it on, just want it on next gen. And does it, does it honestly fix enough? Or is this a great Gran Turismo if you like Gran Turismo? It's both. Well, that's the best possible. <laughs> that's the best possible. Answer. It's both because look, it, it is unabashedly Gran Turismo, and and it's it still wears these dumb warts. And either you are are a fan of cars to the degree that driving them at great deals of speed with at least some challenge to push you, and the promise of online is enough to overcome that, or you go elsewhere. Look, it's not going to compete with the drivatar racing that you get on Forza because that takes the ai to a different level i haven't played that but i'd still love to know whether it whether that even creates as good a racing as pro race driver you know the old codemaster series like that was a game where when you got in a race every single stinking car every ai was always a threat to win the game and the fish swam away from you and you were in you were in a race the entire time right and and that's cool and i wish more games had that the drivatars don't don't all like compete for first place but they at least aren't on the line it gives a better illusion of race than than well, it did the before. gt6 cars are going to sit somewhat on their line but i mean i have to say that and i've said this about forza as well is is as you quickly learn you don't want to sit on the line anyway i mean the line is not always the fastest course through the game well right the line is and that's the something line that, and that's something that these cars i think that's something line. that's something that all these blocker cars in gt do i mean one thing that gran turismo 6 is or any Gran Turismo's parade of cars in front of you do, is it forces you to learn other lines. It forces you to learn how to get through and find passing spots because they're sitting on the, you know, on this, on this theoretic line. Sure. But there are, but then you learn how to drive the car to drive through them and drive around them and drive in other spots. And before we leave Gran Turismo and to be the, the downer again, um, <laughs> as someone who's driven on mm-hmm. tracks and, and you enjoy performance driving if you haven't done it, or if you do it, just be safe out there. Like, we don't know all the facts, at least right now, with regard to the tragic passing of Paul Walker, but he was in a performance vehicle and passed uh, prematurely at a young age of 40. And so if you're playing these games and you feel like you can go out and be James Bond, don't. just don't do it. Yeah, I was hanging out with some of the Slash Drive guys over the weekend who were all friends with them. and It's the worst. It was really sad. And for those of you who don't know, uh, he was in a Porsche Carrera. And that's that actually is viewed as the last of a dinosaur era in supercars because it's a monster and it cannot be tamed it had no nannies yeah so you know it it didn't have stability control it didn't have all these computers that in a in a modern supercar tend to really watch over you on the other hand they were both really experienced drivers and yet it still got away from them i mean it had base it basically has an f1 engine in it yeah an like, unbelievable and who knows the exact facts of that but just i sometimes you feel like you play a game and then you get in your civic or in my case back in my prius and you're like i'm gonna take this corner don't don't do that yeah don't do that so progression wise in addition to having everything laid out nicely they took a lot of what used to be distractions out of the main progression so the main progression it just consists of races so what and now 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 things like uh things like one make races those are over to the side which you can go and do for bonuses and extra stuff but you don't have to do them there's just sort of there's lots of take it or leave it sort of stuff you know, like for me, the coffee breaks where you go and run down cones, <laughs> I, you know, that doesn't interest me. Right. But it's over there in coffee break and I don't have to go do it. <laughs> right. And it's, I don't feel, and I don't even feel like I'm missing. I, and the nice thing is it's like now separated over here to like a side panel and okay, 
It's they make five people so happy that that's their favorite part of the game. Dude, they're love run, cones. <laughs> they're gonna run through yeah, all of them. Yeah, that cone physics. <laughs> and it takes a great deal of car management, and you know, you get it's a real, you know, it's like a, it's like car circus. You know, you've got to know how to really control your car to get those cones knocked down in the in the pattern. And they have these really crazy elaborate patterns now, where they have like a a little group of cones here and another group over here. And so you really would have to like figure out, oh, I'm gonna go over here, I'm gonna do a power slide, I'm gonna come out of it, I'm gonna do it. Great. Someone enjoys that. That's their thing. But that that doesn't do much for me i feel like you've said a a very comprehensive discussion about this review and if you could just repeat it all in mario kart terms ah just all of it real quick uh blue turtle shells don't apply okay right so you boost off the line Uh and make sure to always get that turbo boost right off the line Mm -hmm. hold your pickups because you're going to want to save them are you saying spool your turbo before you spool your turbo before you before you drop the clutch uh it takes you about five to six hours to master your power slide Okay, good. Yeah, and remember, remember you got to time that hop just right. you got to time the hop just right to lay into it so you get the slide just around the corner just right. Tires can't leave the ground in Gran Turismo. <laughs> right? That's the big burn. It's bad I'm excited. Actually, they totally can. Yeah, they, and GT5, they did a little, right? Anyway, I don't know. I'm, ex- I'm so excited. I appreciated that. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm guys. so excited for this game. I really am. I think if you really enjoy driving a car and driving a car fast, that you will really enjoy the way that it takes you through the experience of getting better and better at doing that and starts and, and everything's so nicely it is the ultimate refinement of gran turismo but it's the ultimate refinement of gran turismo warts and hall <laughs> yeah. so i mean for some reason they just won't let go of some of these things <laughs> and that's fine because at least now they've made the game very fun and easy to play and I, you know here's another thing what do you think about this having played forza for as long as i had i was concerned about what i would think about not having rewind yeah, but now that I've been playing, and, and and by the way, Gran Turismo does have damage modeling if you want it. I turned damage modeling off, and you know what? I think I actually prefer playing with the safety net, so to say, of being able to drive as hard as I want to and tap a wall and keep going, as opposed to drive as hard as I want to tap a wall and have to hit X and rewind and then jump back into it and then hit X and rewind because it doesn't it doesn't interrupt my driving. Because I'm not wrecking. I mean, look, if I wreck so bad, if I hit, here's the thing about either of those cases. If you screw up so bad that you really messed up, you're going to hit restart and start the race over. Right. So both of those oh shit options, the oh shit doesn't damage my car, or the oh shit press X and rewind are just to save you when you dropped a wheel off the edge of a curb and spit and skidded a little bit, right? Or tapped a wall and, and hit and lost some time. In Gran Turismo, if you have the, have that uh, if you have the damage modeling off, you tap that wall, you know, we just keep going. And I your under- race is uninterrupted. I understand what you're saying. I don't think I'm willing to agree, but I get it. I get what you're saying. It's so much, you know what? It's sort of liberating because I got accustomed to Forza where like every time, when, once you start hitting X to rewind, yeah. you just, you, you start realizing, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't quite apex that corner. Yeah. Shit. I'm going to exit. I can, I can X that. I can go, I can hit that just a little bit. Oh, I can hit that one a little better too. Sure. Uh, and I feel, I feel like I, I feel like I'm freed from that now. <laughs> I feel like I've sort of just like, like you know, a little bit let that go, and I'm just going to race. I'm just going to race my ass off. And you know what? If I make Until a little bit of mistake, you start missing times by two tenths, and then and you will, yeah, ah, yeah, I know, and you will. But you know what? Loads are instantaneous because the other thing they're doing really nice is the first time you load any race up, uh, it's loading it to your hard drive. But thereafter, the load times are a lot faster. There's still there's still load times. Look, it's still PS3, but. Lots of improvements. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested excited. to see what people think about it. I'm really excited to get home tonight because I think the this patch is supposed to be up tonight on the server. For multiplayer? 
I don't think they're turning that on till Friday, till when you're hearing this. But I think that the day one content patch is up early tonight because I think it's out in Europe a day ahead of North America or something. We didn't talk about seatbelts. What's the rendering on the seatbelts like? I know it does have horn. Uh, it does have horns and high beam and low beams and windshield wipers. It has to have you, windshield wipers because you got rain. You, you know, you know yeah. I do. I, I do like that it has rain. That's actually a step up that it has above uh, Forza because everything in Forza Five is sunny and. You know, daylight, and I, it's like, okay. You've got all hours of the day lighting here. Yeah, that's, that's that's a relief. And let me tell you what, when you're racing, in, especially in dusk, and you see the, and you're in, you know, high-performance cars, and you see the yellow glow of headlights in your rearview mirror or in your side mirror, that's a really cool feeling. That is a really cool feeling. It's very, uh, I don't know, it's very classic Le Mans sort of feeling. Like, oh, man, they're coming. They're gonna... Super cool looking, but super shitty to actually be racing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor condition race. It's the yeah. worst. I actually wonder how the because uh, I remember a few weeks ago Andrew was talking about how bad the the rain effects looked in Killzone. I actually wonder how the if the rain in GT6 actually looks a little better than what they got in a uh, Killzone Shadowfall. The rain on the course. If it, does, if it looked a little more realistic, the rain on the course is actually really really impressive because you have to really be able to judge the amount of water and standing water that's sitting on the course. And it, yeah, because it gets really. It gets really hairy. I don't even want to. I, I noticed that one of the courses that has variable weather is Spa. I'm like, really, really, really. The last place on God's green earth I want to try and run fast. Restart. They also have. They also have. Uh, besides having Nurburgring, which which uh, Forza doesn't have, they have the crazy 24 hour race configuration that has the old giant Nurburgring and the GP course melded together into one god awful beast, <laughs> which I haven't gotten to yet. But I'm like, wow, that's a it's that, like that's a that makes it like 15 something mile circuit yeah it's insane all right we're gonna do some finishing moves it's the weekend and it's time for finishing moves oh i know what i'm gonna do i didn't really have one but now i thought about it i'm gonna talk about a couple of steam games first one i'm not gonna talk about the, it's good i didn't want to talk about the game yet anyway because i haven't played enough of it but i finally got rogue legacy yeah Yay. did you play that i have played it and I what have you, not what, are you, I really are you liked the, it, and then I put it away, and I'm waiting for it to come out on my Vita. There it is. Why? Because it's going to be a long time before it comes out on Vita, according it, to them. They they said like 2014 at some point. I don't have a shortage That's of games, and I think it's the perfect game to play. I can't bring my computer on the plane with a controller like Jeff did. I like yeah. the game, but I'm, just, I'm in no rush to play it. It is one of those games that's going to be a really perfect handheld title. Hmm. My initial concern, because obviously you can play it in very digestible chunks. My yep. initial concern, which I've now been corrected as I guess the way it's supposed to be, was that I might not be good enough to enjoy the game. But now I realize that, or at least I've been told, that the idea behind the game is that you just die a whole hell of a lot. <laughs> yeah, dying is part of the fun. And, and it does make dying part of the fun, so that's cool. And then the other part of my Steam thing is that Final Fantasy VIII came out on Steam. It's 12 bucks. Yeah. But it's Final Fantasy VIII, and I love Final Fantasy VIII. I love all those Final Fantasies, but I love Final Fantasy VIII. So, I mean... Have you bought it yet? No. Okay. You just I, clicked over it a few times. <sighs> I'm like, when the hell am I going to play all these games? But I, I do love me some some Final Fantasy VIII, some Squall. and Maybe it'll be in a complete Renoa bundle, and, a Christmas holiday bundle, like a square bundle for 50 bucks. You get it and, and everything. the PC version comes with a cheat that lets you uh, have all the magics that you want to get access to without having to do them as draws. So it sort of defeats the main complaint with the draws. So when you're listening to this, you have purchased it. Yeah. <laughs> Quite possibly. I don't know. We'll see. How about you, Christian? What's your finishing move? Um, I don't mean to anger anyone in this room or anyone that I am friends with. I tweeted this and it got some traction and I, I 
believe it more so now than when I tweeted it. I think game reviews are fucking stupid. What? No. And I think uh, <laughs> publication game of the year awards are stupid. And I think as a medium for gaming, there's better thing to do than game reviews where it's this lengthy thing with the score. Garnet, I loved, don't comment either way, but I loved how long you guys didn't have scores on Shaq reviews. And I, I hate scores. And I hate that Polygon adjust their scores later after the game came out because to me that implies they shouldn't have reviewed it in the first place. I hate the way publishers make you sit in a hotel and play a game. I hate the way Knack got shitty reviews, but yet Kanata loves it. Uh, Trachtenberg loves it. You really like it. There are different ways to play games, which is what I love about them. And that it's not to sit down and force. And I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to say that Andrew or any reviewer forced their way through a game, but I feel like games are meant to be enjoyed and played and loved, and it's not like a movie where it's just three hours and that's how you experience it, and I hate listening to people say for Game of the Year discussion, oh shit, well I guess I gotta go back and play Mario before we get into Game of the Year discussion, or I gotta go play Last of Us before we get into Game of the Year discussion, because if you didn't make time to play it personally before that, it wasn't that important to you at, 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 on some level, and then, so then to go force yourself to play it so it can be in this discussion is stupid. I think there are better ways to show off games than type we're in reviews now. Publishers, don't be shy of letting people do you plays or quick looks with game footage. They're going to spoil the game. Well, guess what? I can type out exactly what happens in a moment in the game and spoil it that way too. I feel like the criticism of games need to evolve with the medium, and I feel like we can do better. I like I love opinions of games. I love this podcast. I love Giant Bomb. I love... Uh, you know, when when uh, 343 had theirs coming out on a more regular basis. And I love insight, and I love hearing what people are passionate about and playing, and that's how I like consuming game criticism. I will join your church. And I think we can do Amen. better. And I'm done. I, I agree with almost everything you said. Oh, I'm not done. I lied. Uh, and I understand <laughs> it. I understand the reality of it. That's what I was going to say. I understand the reality of reviews. You gotta get on Metacritic, and you gotta get this, and you gotta push page views, and you gotta have your review out when the game comes out because you get views and I understand it's a business and that sucks because it shouldn't be. Well, and it's not just a business. There's also a tremendously huge audience that wants to read those reviews. No, no, they don't. They want to validate or criticize their decision. That's the audience that wants to read those reviews. And they're not reading, not all of them are reading. I'm looking for that number. They are a lot of them looking for the number. Well, but there's a, no- there's a large, look, the, the number of people that click on reviews, reviews are the single largest traffic generating I agree, type, but it, period. But that doesn't mean that we should just let that be the thing. We should push it forward and let people I, be a tastemaker. Anyway, I'm d- I could I, go on for this forever. I, they're just so I, fucking I stupid. I don't disagree with okay. you, but I'm, what I'm, I'm saying sweating. is that... Although I, I do agree to kind of bring it all full circle... This whole thing that happened with Battlefield is a good opportunity for in, for a kind of introspection into game criticism and how do we kind of like evaluate the product after it comes out or how or like after first taste like that kind of thing. We there's a good opportunity. You should just here. be constantly like, evolving opinions. Yeah, I don't need to give it. This is. Uh, hey. I don't think review scores should change. If that's, you want, if you want, if you want companies to be able to hire people like Andrew and Ozzy to do that for a living, they've got to be able to generate audience 
which I think this podcast does, Bombcast does, Quick Looks do, other ways do, but people are so attached to this old form. Like, we're not a print magazine anymore. Update every... I think what Polygon did with their... You figure out how to make any money off this podcast, and it will be in a much more secure state than it is today. Well, that's a bigger problem of just the internet and everything, wanting people things for free. Like, Netflix is so fucking cheap for what you get right now, but they try to raise the rate. Like, oh, $12 for... Are you kidding me? You get a million shows for... That's a different... That's... Next time on... They're not all good? Finished. I can't. I've got to stop. I'm sorry. Well, I'll just say that's why that's why there's no score or re- there's why there's no final review from me on Gran Turismo because I wasn't going to review it without having the full game there. And I'm going to take the amount of time that I want to feel like I have an accurate review of it. I'll I'll write some and, comments and talk about what I've seen. And that's and, sharing what I want to share. And even with Forza, I took an extra time to to review it because how, how hard were those servers going to be hit like the first day? Like, was it going to be able to handle that kind of capacity? Yeah, I mean, I think that I love the point that you raised. Sorry to make this more than a finishing move, but I, <laughs> I think that philosophically I've been in agreement with what you're saying all along. The rea- the financial realities of trying to run a site and employ people make it really challenging. I mean, ideally, I'd happily say, uh, you know, like never have any advertising that's endemic on your site. I mean, because it's really, really incestuous. Even even saying you've got a full, you know, yeah. as, as much as you say you've got a full disclosure of, you know, separation between church and state, you, you can't change the fact that you have an ad there and you have to constantly go in and police and read pages and make sure, oh, God, I got to go make sure that there's no Assassin's Creed review, uh, uh, Assassin's Creed ads on the Assassin's Creed review and it's all done by automated scripts so you have to go through and check every one of them and make sure that they're not reading the wrong stuff but it's really important that you do all that and go to youtube.com slash Kanata Jeff because that's where you can subscribe and watch newest latest best Kanata Jeff that's his YouTube name it's youtube.com slash Kanata Jeff two ends two ends one T Jeff Kanata was taken you know what that's where you can find newest latest best that has nothing to do with my other rant but it's still apparently my finishing move if I could remotely (laughs) finish then we'll finish if I could remotely uh, if I could remotely support myself on a YouTube channel I'd do it in a heartbeat it's hard to do now it's damn near impossible late into the game I hear you telling me how long my finishing move is going (laughs) Dave I'm sorry the Seahawks aren't playing tonight, so you don't have to go anywhere. Deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, we'll let Nicole have her move. Okay, mine'll be short. Mine's super self-promotion-y. Hey, I'm the community manager of The Odd Gentleman. We're an indie video game company. Coming to Xbox One? And yeah, and we're uh, making some really great games, a bunch of which we can't talk about, one of which we can, and we're making Wayward Manor with uh, Neil Gaiman, and uh, you should follow The Odd Gentleman on Twitter. It's at The Odd Gentleman. Well, I, I guess I'll keep mine short as well. You guys, I'm really bummed out that I didn't get to go to the location test for Ultra Street Fighter 4 last weekend, but I want to give a quick shout out to the guys over at Super Arcade for organizing that whole thing. It was really fun to watch. I watched the stream on Saturday, watched it on Sunday. The characters look really cool. I don't know how it is in terms of balance because, you know, the wake up ultras look kind of funky and all that stuff. But just watching that whole stream was just really entertaining. I'm looking forward to how the game evolves from there. I sincerely hope that Capcom's taking user feedback on that. And we'll see how it looks between now and uh, the early June release that it was just given earlier today. So we'll see how that goes. All right, that's it. That's the big show. We have the tailgate coming up in just a moment for you football fans. But otherwise, uh, thank you very much to Nicole for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, Hopefully we'll see you soon. We're recording holiday shows next week. Holiday shows. Hopefully you'll come and celebrate some holiday cheer with us and share share what you're happy for and excited for the holidays. Oh, and of course, we send our holiday cheer to uh, Jeff Kanata and to Andrew, who are both in New York this week. Yes, they are. Christian, sorry for your loss, but thank you for joining us. 
No, I couldn't be happier to be here. I'm I guess actually a week after next that we're doing holidays. So happy to be here. I love doing the show and I love uh, all the new PSN fans I've made because of this show. Hope you'll, hope you'll be here for holiday as well. And again, once again, I'll let you know uh, we've only had, ironically, had the developers for Rogue Legacy who listen to the show already send in some uh, holiday greetings. If you are a developer out there who listened to the show, thank you, number one. And as part of thank you, I'd love to give you uh, as much time to... You know, on the mic or on the air here to say, you know, holiday wishes, things you loved, whatever else it might be that tickles your fancy for the holidays. Uh, get us hold of myself or Ozzy or Dave and they will set you up. Thanks, as always, to the Atlantis Group here in beautiful Santa Monica, California, for the uh, engineering work here on the show. Micah at the board today, having fun with us. Dave in the booth, ready to uh, gloat about his Seahawks here in just a moment. And that is it, ladies and gentlemen. That is your Weekend Confirmed, and we are Ghost. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash weekendconfirmed. That's Tail- audiblepodcast.com slash weekendconfirmed. I fooled myself. <laughs> Tailgate time. <laughs> Tailgate time courtesy of the Press Row Podcast brought to you by operationsports.com, the very best video game sports podcast on the net for you to listen to. And apparently the very best at picking games, too. Rich's Rich's uh, made a tremendous comeback from his initial slow start. But keep in mind, we are still right there. Uh, you, you and I, Ozzy. So Rich is at... Uh, he's the host of the Press Row Podcast, by the way. He's at 23-13-3. Oz, you and I are both at 23-14-2. Del Rio is coming up there. He's at 21-17-1. Kanata is at 19-18-2. Andrea is at 18-19-2. The uh, engineering team here at the uh, studio is 16-21-2. And, and the guests are in there at 11-17-2. So. Those 11 wins are all me, bro. Yeah. No, yeah, they probably are. <laughs> Let's see. Last week, uh, I went two and one. Kanata went one and three. Dave maybe went three and oh. Ozzy went one and two. I think you tried to gloss over Dave. <laughs> Dave went three and oh last week. And 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 those uh, Seahawks won as well. wonder what city they'll be moving to in the next couple of years. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. New Orleans? Is that where their teams go? <laughs> Oklahoma City needs a team, I think. Okay, we need a team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding. The uh, Los Angeles Seahawks. Nah. I like the re- I like I like the sound of that. Nah. All right. So uh, this week's games, we got a trio of big ones on tap for you. Starting off with the Detroit Lions, plus two and a half points, going into Philadelphia to face the resurgent Eagles. Uh, yes, I do want Rich's first because Rich is now in the uh, lead dog role. 
He has no audio. Okay, so what? So he went. Uh, let me see. I bet he went Philly. He went with the Eagles. Rich, what are you doing going with the Eagles? I tell you what you're doing. You're giving me a chance to get games <laughs> up on me, up on you, because the Detroit Lions are going to expose the Eagles for the uh, for the first half of the season team that they still are. I do not buy into the Eagles' massive resurgence any more than I buy into anybody in the NFC East, and I'm not I'm not excluding my Cowboys from that either, who are who are also a sort of half football team. But I don't think the Eagles are as good as they uh, suddenly are thought to be just because they've been on a winning streak. I think the Lions have too much for them, both on offense and on defense. Nick Foles is going to face a tough pass rush from that Detroit front four. It's going to be the Lions in a winner outright. Uh, I think the, I'm also going to go with the Lions just because they're, they're a bit of a schizo team, but you know they, they are. But they can also put up a lot of offense, and I still don't think that Philly defense is any good. Yeah. I'm sorry, Blake. It's at Philly, I just can't ignore that. It's not the same stadium anymore. It's not, but it doesn't matter because the guest is so far down anyway, but Philly, Philly. I'd be right. Philly. Eagles for Spicer and the guest thing. The guest can always make a comeback. Andrea went with Detroit. That's That makes me a little worried. Is this the week that Andrea goes 500? It could be. Yeah. It could be. There you go. And Kanata has uh, weighed in for the Eagles. Now we get Nicole's analysis. Lions yeah. and Eagles. No, no, we've we've seen the the Philly Eagles do ha, have a uh, a winning streak as, as you called it, and I think that the the ability for them to score in the past few games that doesn't it doesn't equate to uh, a successful uh, defense, and I feel that we're going to see that's going to be their problem this week. They're going to have they're going to have a good wall, but it's going to crack, and I feel like the Lions are just going to they're going to play a harder ball game. There you go. Yeah, I feel like Nicole is giving my ears a hug like it when is. I listen to those. It's kind of awesome. <laughs> it's the best. It's better than like Madden analysis. <laughs> like. It's definitely better than Madden analysis. By the way, NBA 2K14 on PS4, amazeballs. I've only played it a little bit. I'll maybe talk about it some more on another Professional show. opinion? Amazeballs? Professional opinion. Cool. Especially just the commentary and the way visual concepts gets making a game look like a like a, a television broadcast. All right, so now we have uh we have those Seattle Seahawks. Go oh, oh, that's right. Yes. Go ahead. The picks from the booth are Dave with Philadelphia Eagles and Micah with the Eagle. I think that that was a dirt. I think that was a dirt. <laughs> that was a dirt. <laughs> that was a dirt. That could only be a dirty bird, aka the Eagles. The Falcon? I'm just re- I'm, I'm going to reuse it a little bit. <laughs> okay. I'm just reuse it a little bit. Okay. Well, there are a lot of bird teams in the NFL. There are. Uh, so now we'll move on to uh, those Seahawks, also birds. Going down to San Francisco. What, going down? You already gave your pick there. <laughs> Traveling down uh, the coast mm, okay. to San Francisco, where they will lose to the <laughs> San Francisco 49ers, who are pissed off at having been humiliated when we went to taco night <laughs> after after the game, whenever the hell that after this broadcast, whenever that was some weeks ago, and, and Seattle was uh, in charge in Seattle. Seattle looked so good last weekend. People are going to be like, Garnet, you're an idiot for picking yeah. against them again. Yeah. But I think that San Diego, uh, I mean, San Diego, I think that San Francisco has proven that it too is putting together a nice little playoff run. You're Vernon, a Crabtree believer. Vernon Davis finally looks like, you know, he's really in sync with Kaepernick. We've got crap. We, it's not my team. They've got Crabtree back. The running game looks good, and you still cannot question that defense at home. Candlestick. 
I'm taking the Niners and I will take, uh, you know, I'll take that. I have to beat them by three. I can beat them by three. Niners will beat them by three. It's, it's Seattle by two and a half, by the way. I already know that rich has gone the other direction. He's taken the points. He's taken the Seahawks. He's leaving the door open for me to get ahead of him. Uh, Ozzy, are you taking advantage uh, of this? Uh, uh, no, I'm not. Uh, I think everyone is calling this a trap game. I think every, so many people are calling this the Niners that it's naturally going to go the other way. So I'm going Seahawks. All right, you're going Seahawks. Dave, you're going with the Niners, I hear. That's not true, is it? <laughs> the, there will be a plane flying over candlestick with a seahawks no dave's flag. making that up he's he's got to be making that up if that, you were a true seahawks fan though why do they stop at 12 if you're already going to cheat and have too many players on the field why not be a 13th man a 14th man adderall is the 13th man 11 seahawks the seahawks are going to win sorry uh canada they are they're going to win and they're going to win big i did canada uh, of course took his 49ers micah where you won't wait <laughs> more bird, more dirds, okay? more dirds. We have no, we have no birds for you in the third game. So I don't know what you're going to do about that. And then uh, Nicole, your analysis on the Niners at home taking on the Seahawks. Now, I think we have two important factors here. Now we we have the Seahawks, which are really hot right now. I think that they have a very strong uh, offense, and I feel like they have been playing very strong. And a lot of people are expecting a lot from them. That being said, the 49ers have an ego that's going for them. And I feel like they have the ability to. The ability to win, but I think they're going to play reckless. And I feel that like their defense is it, it's strong, but sometimes, and in the case of the Seahawks, the best defense is their offense. Hmm. Harbossum. Yeah. All right. And then because Dave hates me, he's making me pick the Dallas game. Ugh. Cowboys. I feel like when one of us starts to get ahead, it's either a oh, Cowboys way, we, oh, game or a Chargers we game. Need, uh, we need Andrea's and uh, Rich's pick. I know Rich took the Seahawks. Who did Andrea take? Andrew, Andrew took the Seahawks. <laughs> God damn it. That's funny. Uh, and then finally, you have the Cowboys going into uh, New Soldier to place the Bears on Monday night. We don't know the status of Cutler. Apparently, he was limited participant in practice on Thursday. I think at this point, it doesn't really matter because, uh, shoot, what's the backup name again? Josh McCown. He's doing very well. And McCown has done great. And I am just absolutely terrified of what Jeffries and Marshall could do to the Cowboys secondary. It could just be... A shit show, a complete and total shit show, well, especially will, with Claiborne probably out. I will do you a favor and I will tweet at how shitty the Cowboys defense is. Every time I did last week, they came up with a big play and they pulled that. I was like, do they have a defense or just a, just a practice squad? Man, and that they was pulled a, down like a huge intercept. That was, was a like, tale ah. of two halves. Yeah. yeah. That was a tale of two halves. I thought we were in deep trouble on that Thanksgiving Day game. And you were. We, yeah, <laughs> we pretty much were. And then, and then we lost Dunbar after he looked so good. On a re- seemingly routine play, he gets his knee hurt and he's out for the rest of the season. Great, unfortunate. Uh, you guys, you know, I have to say Cowboys. I love my team. I always stand by them. Even You're- going into Soldier Field and being minus one on the fucking road. I love that Garnett looks at me when he says the, that. The worst damn defense in the league and the Cowboys are still getting points because of Vegas and people putting money on the Cowboys. People out there putting money on the Cowboys, you're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just it's the bears it's it, yeah it's the, the but bears. i'm taking the cowboys and you know what with romo if we get murray to put down the ball we get some running with murray we'll be all right you're just shaking your head it's the bears i know that i i yeah i know uh, <laughs> i i am gonna go bears what do you think dave dave is going to go 
also with the Bears. Rich went with the Bears. And Andrea went with the Bears. Kanata went to Dallas. Oh, it's sweet because he probably knew I was going to go with the Niners. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we back each other in our in our moments of terror. <laughs> and then, Micah, where are you going? The Bears. He even has a sound drop for it because he's an engineer. And finally, wrapping up the tailgate for us today will be Nicole's analysis of the Dallas Cowboys and the Chicago Bears, both teams in must-win situation with playoff implications. This is the absolute must-watch game of, of this, you know, coming few days. I think this is going to be, you know, two teams that are their dynasties. They have huge fan bases. They have a lot riding on this. There's going to be a lot of pressure, and it's going to come down to whose players can handle that pressure. And my fear is that the Cowboys won't be able to, and that the Bears are going to be able to have uh, have their head in the game. And that's what, that's really going to count for this. And so I'm going with the Bears. Tell me she doesn't actually watch football. I so she, just tell me she doesn't actually watch football. I don't football. care if someone hire her. I'd much rather <laughs> listen to her do that than some of the sideline hey, reporting I, that they I, really have. I saw her tweet her breakdown of uh, last last Saturday's uh, Ohio State-Michigan game. It was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the way, most amazing play of the year, Auburn Alabama. Of the year? I, I that, that's probably that. That's probably one of the best I plays I've seen ever. Uh, ever. Yeah. Un- unbelievable 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 and actually best that they're still showing it with the announcer as as with the announcer and as he's as he's like calling the run back of the field goal and about the time he gets to midfield the just the change in his pitch of voice as he freaks out over <laughs> the, the whole situation of like because when does that ever happen never bonus pick do they win the sec title game no uh i don't no. think so either i don't think so like uh, you know what? I kind of, I actually kind of have to root against them because my girlfriend is an Alabama fan. Oh dear, she was she was very upset that night. Well, let's hope there are no more poison trees. Anyway, that's your tailgate, folks. Uh, hope you're all doing great in your fantasy playoffs as you head into that. I have uh, one, t- two teams in the playoffs, but I'm probably gonna lose in one of them at least for sure. It's unfortunate matchups. Hope your teams are doing well, and that's it. We'll see you next week.